This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME. The greatest 80s movie you've never seen, your dad's favorite miniseries debuts, and Gwyneth Paltrow makes us sick. This week on 302010. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to 302010, the Laser Time Podcast Network's uh, journey 30, 20, and 10 years back into the greatest media releases we can think of. This encompasses TV, movies, video games, music, and so very much more, and the occasional internet meme as we move forward in time. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antiste, also with me. I'm Diana Goodman, and it's hard for me to say what's right when all I want to do is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's me, Sarah, not your father. What? Or anyone's father. <laughs> okay. I hope I dance off screen. Hopefully we'll get that later. I think we will. I think there's some weird... There, look, pardon, the, pardon my French. There's some real monkey business this episode. Whoa. It, yeah, it is... <laughs> Wow, watch it. I know, I know. There's not there's not a ton of bona fide classiques, but do not watch any of this in a row. How about that? Like <laughs> like we had to. It is some of the, the weirdest viewing I've ever done in any block of any kind. Uh, it's true. It's like Hollywood is like, y'all, I don't know, let's just throw all this shit together because yeah. we're gonna move on to some big stuff later on. Yeah, let's yeah, let's and let's... all the TV is starting to show up, and it's just all just appears out of nowhere. Just yeah, poof, bunch of just piles of weirdness. And you have like the most ahead of its time film I can think of in our modern era, and the most bu- the film that seems like it's six years too late. I watched those back to back. It was hmm. joyous, <laughs> but it's also stupid, and I don't recommend any of us do. But that's what we do. We celebrate a single week in pop culture history. This week is September 3rd through the 9th, and we'll be talking about all the great stuff that came out in 1991, 2001, and 2011. I want to thank off the top our patrons, um, Austin Cook, and many of the fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. All we ask for is uh, give us five bucks or more or less. But $5 is that that special little medium. We'll give you extra content every week. Access to over 100 full-length movie commentaries featuring your friends here. And a bunch of other bonus laser time stuff. I can't even get into it because my back is killing me. And I'm dying to talk about one of these movies. What up, y'all? Who's ready to get started with 302010 this week? September 3rd to the 9th. Um, 1991, beginning as we always do with that very special year. A little bit of news to bring you in to the wonderful world of 91. Uh, Russia's second largest city is renamed uh, from Leningrad back to St. Petersburg. It's named since uh, 1924. Uh, that is that is, that was very confusing as a kid, especially if you live near St. Petersburg. Oh yeah, I didn't think oh. about that. Mm-hmm. In Florida, they changed Florida's to Leningrad. So they did. Like <laughs> We're going surfing at Leningrad Beach. Um, but all this rush oh my god I'm loving picturing an airbrush t-shirt that just says Leningrad like in that airbrush lettering that you get on beach vacations hey dude he ain't loose 
It's, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's Leningrad cowboys. I want Leningrad server dudes. Yeah. Uh, also in the news, well, like, this is a sweet story, if not for a Wait. sham marriage. Um, well, yeah, no, <laughs> John Travolta and Kelly Preston marry, and they stayed married. Wow, that almost rarely happens when we mention a celebrity death this early in the show, or celebrity marriage this early in the show. We'll, yeah. mar- we'll mention the deaths at the end, but uh, yeah, except for right now, because they stayed married until her death of breast cancer last year. Yep. Uh, R.A.P. Kelly Which, Preston. Yeah, got missed by so many people because, you know, we were really busy with a bunch of other stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, unfortunately, she passed away. She kind of died in the in the middle of a lot of other people dying. Yeah, you know. Same thing happened to Joe Diffie. Uh, <laughs> I thought Joe Diffie did die of COVID. He did. Oh, okay. Uh, get fucking down. Oh, I cannot wait to not record from home and get a real office. What He's... about Don Everly? Did Don Everly die of COVID? I really um, hope he didn't. I'm going to say yes. I'll bet you $5 that man or woman did. <laughs> the Everly Brothers? Sister um, surviving Everly Brother. He just passed away. Yes, huh. got it. Nailed it. You owe me five bucks, Diana. Okay, <laughs> Mo- moving into the movies of 1991, September 3rd through the 9th, Dead Again is still number one at the box office, and I stand by it being the silliest number one movie we've ever talked about. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there are sillier ones. Yeah. I mean, there's sillier ones that I wouldn't recommend. This is, might be the silliest that I would. Okay, maybe that makes That's sense. Fair. I don't know. It's yeah, just like, it's, it's different. Every time everything else was number one, like, yeah, I get it. That's a big MTV dance movie, or that's a big Marvel movie. Like, this is inexplicable. The public was starving for an Alfred Hitchcock send up with the silliest accents and ending I've ever seen in my entire life. It's like when the um, simulation, like, screwed up a little yeah. bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, the humans will love this movie. Let's make this one number one. <laughs> What a strange film. Listen to last week's episode if you want to hear us talk more about that. Wow, we also have another movie. Yeah, there's, there's nothing to challenge it this week. That's the problem. It's like the one thing that maybe could make more money. It's really the, uh, hard to find a movie more hampered by current events. Mm. Unlike what we'll get to later is a movie way ahead of current events. Yeah. But let's roll through the artsier stuff first. Uh, Prospero's book starring John Gilgood, which is super artsy fartsy peter greenaway-ish sort of thing where it's like it's about the tempest but it's also about writing the tempest but it's also about like dream states and there's like naked mimes and there's all kinds of like if you're like super into shakespeare and like super artsy fartsy maybe and for everyone else it's like no you're this is like everything you, you've ever hated about art <laughs> do the naked mimes is their whole body painted white or just the face, because I don't know what would be scarier, honestly. Yeah, how to make mimes more scary of a dick waving in the breeze. Yeah. But painted pure, pure white. Yeah. Well, they're like, they're miming, but it's not like they have traditional mime oh, makeup okay, on. Okay. You know, but there's like, and there's sort of dance, and it's just like, about like all the concepts that are inside the Tempest. What do you think William art. Shakespeare's no. farts smell like? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, for for advanced Shakespeare nerds only, I can't recommend it. And uh, a, a delight that I saw uh, not streaming anywhere. I don't even know if an official copy exists, but it is all over YouTube. Corey Haim and Patricia Arquette's masterful Prayer of the Roller Boys. Oh my God. Are you dying for a dystopian movie set in the not too far off future where uh, uh, Nazi roller <laughs> roller gangs control the entire city of LA, which mostly lives in a giant homeless encampment? Yeah. Yeah. Nazi fascist rollerbladers. Rollerblade, okay. It's, and it feels, I mean, it, it's rollerblades. Rollerblades are relatively new. So yeah. it's it's not an 80s movie, 
but it smells, tastes, and looks like one. It's gorgeous. It is. Uh, it is hilarious. Every time you like, you're trying. Like this seems like a cool kids movie. That was the N word. All right. Um, that <laughs> it's twenty minutes in. Didn't even. That's a lot of titties. Okay. There's a lot of kids in this movie. Wow. What's going on? Uh, it, it's, Do we think this is a cocaine movie? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It is a glorious <laughs> cocaine movie. There are shots. They're in this homeless encampment. I'm like, oh, like the one in They Live. That is the set of They Live. Okay, um, that <laughs> that is the exact church from They Live. Wow, way to go, guys! It's I I was so happy, like a newborn baby seal learning to swim on my couch. The ah, yeah, I was so happy. This entire movie. It is. It's one of those. 80s movies that people make today, even though 80s movies were never like that back then. They were never that extreme or that violent or mm-hmm. it's like, but it is like solar babies on speed. It is great. Lots of fascist white roller kids who want to, who are selling a drug named Mist that of course is neon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they keep promising the day of the rope when they strangle all their enemies or give them enough rope to strangle themselves. And it turns out they're peddling uh, this drug to br- black and brown people to sterilize them, and only Corey Haim and his '80s skate abilities can stop. It is fucking insane. <laughs> it is insane. This is one of the most insane movies I have never heard of. But that I can- is way more serious than what I was yeah, expecting. From it it this. looked like a lighthearted yeah. romp. It is not. It is very much not. It is. It is a heavy dystopian set on Venice Beach. <laughs> uh, Wild. <laughs> a futuristic film. Uh, I loved it. It is, it is one of the best cold viewings I've ever had on this show. Prayer of the Roller Boys. Watch it free on YouTube now and glorious full screen. Oh my God. I mm. mean, okay. When I knew that it was like actually a Nazi gang, I was like, well, that's a little heavy yeah. for Corey Haim to be going up against. And, and But okay, the, their idea is not just, oh, let's sell drugs to people of color, but let's sterilize them. Let's, the literal day of the rope, which is from yeah. like, each like a neo-nazi book from the 70s mm-hmm. oh my god that's it's, like a real thing that they talk it's about. all really like it just starts out with like it, it like like the wizard you ever see the wizard it makes it seem like everyone and their mother is playing nes right now that's what rollerblades are at this point. Everybody's doing it. It seems very innocent. Corey Haim is protect is a ragtag homeless kid delivering pizzas to protect his little brother. And it's just kids for a little while. And then it just all gets so insane. He's handed an M16 to go deliver pizzas. Uh, it is. <laughs> they keep calling their black father figure. Like, I'm like, I can't change the sound on this YouTube video, but all I hear are two Gs. What are they calling this man? Uh, and I found out, had to look up the credits. It, they're calling Speedbagger. His name is Speedbagger. Got because it. this is, <laughs> depending on the accent, like I was beginning to question, like, who the fuck made this movie? Oh my Christ. It is very, very, very strange. And uh, I, I'm kind of astonished how many of the locations I've been to before, but uh, I loved it. It's my recommend of the week Prayer of the Roller. <laughs> and the, that title, that title. The, the Roller Boys are the Nazis. Oh, the, no. Yeah, it's not like say a prayer for Corey Haim's character. Oh, by the way, who goes departed style undercover with the Nazis because he grew up. (laughs) It's it's fucking rad. Patricia Arquette is an undercover seductress also trying to infiltrate the gang on behalf of the police who are just as powerful as the warring gangs in in Los Angeles. This movie is wonderful. I got to stop talking about it. (laughs) Got to stop talking about prayer. Prayer of the roller boys. Tell a friend. 
uh, and then get them to subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, the next film features, ooh, Terry O'Quinn, John Locke, Kurtwood, Kurtwood, bitches leave Smith, uh, Mikhail <laughs> Barishnikov, and Gene Hackman. What? What? Company. Oh, yeah. Okay. This movie is kind of nuts, and it's really hampered by current events. So it's about Whoa. Gene Hackman, who's an ex-CIA guy, has to like go on the run with Mikhail Baryshnikov, who's an ex-KGB double agent. But, you know, the news is kind of full of there's not so much a Soviet Union anymore. Mm. Like, we just, <laughs> Peter, St. Petersburg just got its name back this fucking week. So... The idea that, like, oh, we should worry about the KGB is kind of a bad one. And, yeah, so, I mean, basically, like, they're supposed to uh, swap Mikhail Baryshnikov with the KGB for, you know, this guy that was captured by them, like, in the 60s. But then it's like, oh, it was all a setup. And so Gene Hackman and Mikhail Baryshnikov have to go on the run, getting chased by the CIA and the KGB. Eh, Which is a fun setup. That reminds me of, like, Bo Burnham's Inside being, like, the definitive artistic statement of the pandemic, like, the moment the pandemic was being released, the moment the pandemic was over. Like, oh, if this would have been just a week earlier. (laughs) Yeah, it might have helped. But, I mean, overall, it's not great. It's written and directed by uh, Nicholas Meyer, who did Wrath of Khan. And even he was like, I have so many regrets. Like, there was a couple good parts, but I think I fucked that up. Oh, I lost this. The uh, wow. prayer for prayer of the roller boys is directed by the the guy who wrote the initial script for Point Break. So I have a little bit of bias oh. towards whoever this guy is. So um, he just has a thing about infiltrating weird gangs. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> weird oh. Southern Californian gangs. Oh, wow. you write what you know. <laughs> and um, extreme sports. Oh, we haven't even yeah. played a clip of anything yet. Oh but... yeah, but we can play the trailer, which. I mean, it tells you all you need to know, but to hear Gene Hackman talking about hacking in this just what? makes my year. Gene Hackerman. Hackman. <laughs> we uh, random accessed their computer with Whoa! a digital sequencer, then I uh, slipped their computer a virus. <laughs> what the hell? Sam and Peter, two guys on company business. This whole deal, you know, is weird. Gotta admit that. So you don't know what you're doing either? No more than you, pal for two very competitive companies. These people don't jump for us like they used to. You and me were servants. They were sent to close one last deal. Okay, okay, okay. Right. I'm, I'm more the dying company. to hear the next. I should have said I'm, I'm, I'm more dying to hear the next clip because it's one of the funniest, the greatest things ever as we move into TV. Oh, my God. Um, oh my God. Yeah, 1991 yes. MTV Video Music Awards. Children, I'm sure you thought the pop CM Punk got was huge introducing himself in AEW. But mm-hmm. this this is like two whole minutes of straight applause. The audience yeah. is over the fucking moon to see this person who A, had to kind of disappear, B, they didn't know they'd see again. And mm-hmm. so he hasn't been out in public in a long time. But And a couple weeks ago was arrested in a porn theater. There you go. Um, and then makes his debut back in the pub- public eye and kind of, I think one of his last for a while. It's the longest I've ever seen Paul Rubin's hair. Here he is introducing himself uh, back to the away the non the less judgmental MTV watching public. Thank you. Heard any good jokes lately? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. MTV was visited by the ship from Flight of the Navigator, Pee Wee Herman. Uh, that that I, that was just such a great. I I, I was not uh, watching this live, but as someone who the, the, the tightwads still ran everything, and because Pee Wee got caught jerking off in a porn theater, he literally disappeared for a while. And mm. you know, my generation's like, why? 
We don't care. Like, jerk off in a porn theater. Yeah. No one gives a shit. It was hurt. Yeah. I I remember watching this live and yeah, my jaw was on the floor of like, oh my God. Like you're just so used to like, and then they disappear forever and him just come right mm -hmm. back and be like, no. And I and I know the joke everyone is telling. Name two people who got shot in a theater. Lincoln and the guy sitting in front of Pee Wee. Oh, I was trying to <laughs> I was trying my best to think of the I can't remember the ones I heard because it really did get pretty per perverse for poor old yeah. Pee Wee. It became, it, you know, caught jerking off, but in the school year, the jokes became very molesty and homophobic very fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, that's why I, did, I, I think my brain decided to forget them. But the, yeah, the VMAs, that's exciting, right? It used to be. Yeah. And well, this was, this were this was fucking crazy. Okay. This whole year, oh. the show is nuts. First of all, REM and Losing My Religion win just fucking everything as it should crazy which is really weird mm -hmm. um every time they go up on stage michael sype has wearing a different t-shirt advocating for a different political <laughs> thing which he seems to have layered them all on that a boy mike <laughs> and so he's just removing shirts <laughs> gradually it's hosted by arsenio who's like the most popular <laughs> practically he's ever gonna be and uh the performances are nuts yeah there's no other way i can put it uh guns and roses comes in live from wembley in london and does live and let die wow which that becomes the video. Then Mariah Carey's there. Uh, Metallica is there. LL Cool J is there. Also, Don Henley, just slide him in there. Just sure, you fit in here, Don. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Chris Isaac Something winning for, for um, Chris Isaac winning for Wicked Game. So you yeah. get, get yeah. a clip of that nice David Lynch video, which I feel like is new information to me. Yep. And and then the the, the other thing besides Pee Wee that everyone was talking about the next day, Prince plays. Mm. With the new Power Generation, which is his new band, he plays Get Off, which is already a very sexual song, incredibly sexual. And Prince? the show, oh. the show, it is on YouTube. There is a full-on Babylonian orgy going on on stage. <laughs> yes. It is, like, I, I I was clutching my pearls, like, whoa, seriously? Are we, okay, you're doing, oh, oh. Done. and then... We realize he's got Assel's pants on. Yes. Hell yeah. Take that, he's Beyonce. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't, it's sort of like a yellow lace suit. And he's performing. And it's like, and there's all these dancers who are like practically fucking. And then like he turns around and you see that, yeah, he's got, see, what I think is, it's a great troll. Actually, they're not assless. There's a sheer panel on mm. the back. So you can ah. see his butt, but they, it is covered. It's a window. He's got a butt window. Mm -hmm. And, Literally within days in Living Color opened with a sketch about it, which is also on YouTube, and I grabbed a clip of. Oh, fantastic. My dad had a Volkswagen. I couldn't do much of anything in the backseat of that thing. The first time I did it, I was in a little red Corvette with Sheena Easton and Vanity. Or was that Morris? Oh, man. The craziest thing I ever did was break up with my high school sweetheart. Man, when it comes to women, we're always doing something crazy. I know what you mean. One time I poured chocolate all over Sheila. And... This, oh, is, this is a, a Levi's parody, I believe. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even know that except they're, they're constantly shooting David Allen Greer's butt instead of Jamie Foxx's uh, uh, Prince impression. But right. it's like it's like SNL's Bad Idea Jeans. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's the only reason they came A parody together. of that exact same thing of like <laughs> these guys talking in this handheld camera just kind of keeps showing their jeans while they're talking and Prince keeps interrupting them with his sexy stories. And they tell him to get <laughs> out. Then he starts singing and turns around and oh, his jeans have a sheer panel on them and they run away in terror. Again. Also, Jamie Foxx's Prince is so good. 
Oh, so much fun. Living Color is so much fun. Uh, so good. Actually, like, yeah, please look up that Prince performance. It It is in my, it is insane that it was on television in 1991. In my market, I think this whole week is going to prove why Fox is amazing. Like, uh, it, It's why the, the channel had my entire brain around this time, thanks to The Simpsons. But before we get to that, we got to get to the HBO movie I did not see, which uh, sounds like a kid's movie. But it does. No, it, no. You, you know, it's no, no kid's movie stars Fred Ward. <laughs> <He's just> not, <laughs> uh, Fred Ward, David Warner, Julian Moore, and Clancy Brown cast a deadly spell. And what makes you so special? He's the right guy. I'm serious. And why are you wearing that hat? But it's the wrong time. Someone's throwing lesser demons at you. You don't even carry a rabbit's foot. I can handle it. Well, I'm not worried about you, Phil. I'm worried about the people who might get in the way. He's got 48 hours to save the world. Or what's left of it. Phil, nothing in life's as funny as you think. This is fucking awesome. I love detectives who talk like this. Cast a deadly spell is fucking awesome. Also, I'm sure a thousand people listening to this are all people who saw a little bit of this as a kid and now they're haunted by it. Like this is their thing that they can't figure out what the fuck it was because it ran on HBO a bunch for a while because they made it. Ah, they're they're brainwaves. Thank you very much, everyone out there for helping me with that. Brainwaves. They're Barton Fink. Yeah. So it is. 30 years before Lovecraft Country. It is a TV movie about a hard-boiled detective named H. Philip Lovecraft in a 1940s where magic is real. And he is the only detective that doesn't use magic. And he's got to find a Necronomicon for David Warner. And there's like hinky shit going on and people using magic to try to stop him and like demons show up and stuff. Wow. That it's sounds so cool. awesome. It is really cool. And it's it's on HBO Max, thank God. Like it's it's not denied from the service that made it. Uh that doesn't ha- always happen, thank God. Yeah. No, it is it is a lot of fun. It is directed by Martin Campbell, who I've talked about many yeah. times before, of like mm. that dude rules because he made Casino Royale and Goldeneye and Mask of Zorro, and I love him so much. And uh yeah, dude. Super recommend on this one, just because it's so weird. And I, they made a follow up that had Dennis Hopper instead of Fred Ward, and it like wasn't as cool. And I, what this should have f- been a fucking series, man. They should have done one of these every year. This looks amazing. I really want to see this detective uh, with black magic shit going on. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's normalized. It's not just like, oh, it turns out they were doing magic shit. Like, oh. no, it's it's a world where just magic shit is just every day. Oh, okay. It's so cool. Yes, cast a deadly spell. HBO, Ooh. watch it. Man, we're going to have a bunch of cartoons debuting in the 90s um, over the next couple weeks. Uh, because it's that time with when you have three and a half channels where all the new stuff debuts. And uh, this week, here it comes. Uh, Hammer Man. Hammer! Hammer! <laughs> Hammer his, his pair of magic shoes helps him solve inner city crimes. Hammer Man. MC Hammer's Saturday morning cartoon. But I think Boy. even better, two incredible shows, part of the television animation renaissance, which we'll be talking about the history of television animation on this next week's Laser Time. Part of that history I don't talk about because we were just talking about sort of the pre-me pre history of television animation. The me history of animation, Tasmania and Darkwing Duck, those are two incredibly fine shows. Uh, Darkwing Duck, I think, started out as a Bond parody, but gradually went into a Batman parody. So he has <laughs> the greatest villains possible. He has Bond villains and Batman villains. I think you, so. It's like yeah, it's like an Adam Westy kind of Batman show created by Tad Stone, who we had on an episode of Laser Time. We talked to him about creating this uh, this character. Brings over Launchpad from Ducktales, and I believe if you watch it in its original order, there is an origin story about how he meets Goslin. It's not his. I don't think I think that's his uh, biological daughter. 
um, and how he meets Launchpad. And I think that's how the show starts. And check that out on Disney Plus because it's I I love the design of Darkwing Duck, the the blues and the purples, mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, one of the, seriously one of like I cannot go back and watch old Ducktales episodes as much as, as much fondness as I have for the property. I'm not insane, <laughs> but Darkwing Duck is much funnier and much more modern and especially now in our spy and superhero obsessed culture. It's much, it works much better. That was like one of the few cartoons that I did actually watch whenever I could catch it on TV because I was so attracted to the colors and the like, I don't know, it just looked really cool and it looked very different from what I was used to seeing. Um, And it totally You probably looked like a little goslin. Same color hair, same height. Yeah, it probably super gravitated towards her. I should give you my Goslin figure. Just kidding. Yes. Nobody gets well, that. Well, no, I was also thinking, too, I feel like the Darkwing Duck, there was some sort of figurine probably that came out, the little plastic one, mm-hmm. that like I feel the compulsion, like I want to bite it. Yeah, it's you know? a PVC, a Kellogg's PVC <laughs> yeah. came out uh, yeah. with Megavolt and uh, Darkwing, and I forget. But uh, yeah, Launchpad was in there. Uh, I got a ton of I, a ton of Darkwing stuff. If you're looking to buy me presents, which none of you are these days, the Thunderbeak, the plane from Darkwing <laughs> Duck. I've always wanted that that plane, but it tends to fetch a pretty penny in eBay, eBay. But I don't need it in box. Maybe if you have an extra Thunderbeak, send it my way. I'll suck yo. Next we have <laughs> uh, Tasmania debuts, which is another. This shouldn't be funny show, but it is. Taz was unspeak- weirdly and unspeakably popular at this point, mm-hmm. due mostly yeah. to mud flaps and t-shirts. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Taz, I believe, starred in five or six Looney Tunes cartoons. He has uh, not yeah. 50 minutes of screen time his entire existence. And then, like, well, why? He's really popular right now. Why don't we give him his own show? And they did, and it's surprisingly great. This this weird sitcom where his dad is Bing Crosby. Come on, son. Don't get like that. <laughs> the show is on every day. Super fun. It's one of those weird things where like, hey, HBO Max, make with the this. Uh, Disney kind of dug up all its old syndicated cartoons. Where are yours? And this is not bad. And it, unlike the Disney Afternoon stuff, its focus was being funny first. Tasmania, you tell me. Does it hold up? I know it's it had some Taz had some good video games during this period. I was not not a Taz fan. Uh Taz, anyone? I feel like there's gotta be a whole generation of people who grew up not knowing that the Tasmanian devil is an actual animal. Mm-hmm. Like Very just cute. thinking that it's like a made up like like a unicorn or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, if you only see them on Warner Brothers cartoons and the movie Young Einstein, you're yeah. you're likely to be very confused. Yeah, I was. Well, you, yeah, I mean, when you see a real one, you probably be kind of disappointed. Like, exactly. Oh, it's, it's, just, it's just that little guy who kind of looks like a like a mean dog. Okay, oh, oh. he's they're, cute. They're so cool. I love them. And uh, a show I really liked because again, I The Simpsons sort of brought me into Fox, mm. which in my town had Tasmanian Darkwing Duck. It was just this constantly, this channel that constantly rewarded me. You like The Simpsons? Maybe you like the show in Living Color. I do, I do. Uh, Tasmania Darkwing, I loved it all. And then Herman's Head, which is a stupid, weird concept show, but if you love The Simpsons, it has two of the voice actors on the show. Yeah, Uh, you can actually see them You can see what, that's not as compelling with Hank Azaria, because he, has a voice he doesn't use on the show, but Yardley Smith cannot hide. She is she is Lisa, <laughs> and she is one of the voice the four voices in Herman's head. Silly concept, 
No, but, she's not in the head. She is in the real world. Oh, she is. And so is, she works in the office. So with is Herman, Hazaria. And Hazaria is like one of his, like his horny best friend. And it's Jay. just like an office comedy, except that sometimes it cuts away to inside Herman's head, just like the movie Inside Out, which stole from this horribly. <laughs> just kidding. But it has like his psyche is represented by a bunch of people hanging out and talking about stuff. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. Awesome. Is it in, I, yeah, it's like, I remember it is the first time I l- heard a masturbation thing on television. Before before mm-hmm. Seinfeld did it, I thought it was something only I had discovered. And there's this episode where Herman can't sleep and his, the people in his head are fighting like what to do. And he's like, finally the girl walks over to like the big guy and like, can you just do that thing that always puts him to sleep? And I'm like, oh, can I? And then it just flashes to the clock. And then it fades, and then two minutes later, you just see Herman very happy lying back. <laughs> and it's just an incredibly ribald joke for network television Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. at the time. We're pre-Seinfeld master of his domain, which is, again, people who cannot say what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, uh, Herman said it was a show just because of Fox, because I every time I'd be at my grandparents, I'd have a portable black and white television I could take with me and I would be able to watch stuff at night. Oh, I would just devour Fox Entertainment at night. Black and white Fox Entertainment. <sighs> so old. I, as for a show that, that was constantly a punchline of like how dumb TV could be, because it was pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yes. it, there were every now and then there were jokes, but it was, it's early Fox. So yeah, anything they say that makes the audience go, ooh. You know, it's really obnoxious. It went three whole seasons. Yeah. Huh. It felt I like... had no idea. I thought that was like, it was 13 and done. Mm-mm. No, three fucking seasons. Yeah, I forget. I think the USA Network back in the day, because they used to like take quite delight in rerunning canceled sitcoms, sitcoms that had like less than 100 episodes. So they were rerunning the show right afterwards. So it had a, an odd shelf life, given that most people acknowledge it only as a punchline. Yeah. But, and the the one lady that was like the lady in his head who was like the the nice person telling him to do the nice things. Uh, I just looked her up, Molly Hagan, because I just saw her on something like yesterday. Huh. <laughs> she pops up all the freaking time, and I feel like a dick that I don't know her name until I just think, oh, the lady from Herman's Head. Okay, Molly Hagan, <laughs> I apologize to you. I the same way about the big guy in Herman's Head. So yeah, Jerry he Blink's bus driver, and oh, I can't remember. He's in a ton of stuff. His voice is super recognizable. Is he in Armageddon? I think he might be. Also debuting this week, uh, but at a completely different time, during the day, the world's most celebratory pregnancy test, the Maury Povich show. It makes <laughs> it a debut. pregnancy test, Sorry. that would be cool, too. <laughs> Paternity test. I cannot believe it's still on. Still it does still what it does. on. And Just got renewed. 3,800 episodes in count. Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And and well, yeah, runs every day, man. Maury yeah, Povich has always been kind of like shameless, like whatever. It's what people want. I don't, I yeah. don't have a problem putting this on every day. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. He's, he's. It didn't start out that way though. It was much more of like a variety. Yeah. Right. Of different like shocking. So we are entering like um, a heyday of daytime talk television. Oh, like yeah. you look at. Yeah. We're gonna be talking about some more major, major debuts for daytime talk. Did, um, did Oprah... Kind of like a second wave almost, I think. What did we talk about with Oprah? Was that her debut or an anniversary? For oh, her? her finale we talked about. Her finale, oh, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But we have, oh, you're right. We have so many, so many yeah. coming. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Lakes and your, uh, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. Gabrielle. Montel. Yeah. Montel, Jenny Jones, Sally Jesse yeah. Raphael. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh, God. Yeah, oh. It's, it's really an interesting time for that sort of thing that, you know, 
people are figuring out that people want to see a variety of lifestyles on the television. <laughs> and look, that's a kind way of putting it, I would say. <laughs> yep. Yeah. People want to see fuck ups and then yell at them. Yeah. That's a nice way to put and it, if too. You, if, yeah. you, if you didn't hear, and this is my takeaway from what our friend Aaron said on this show, the laser time we did about who decides what's popular. He worked for the Nielsen's. And oh. he's like, no, I don't think this system works at all because the people who watch Maury Povich all have Nielsen boxes and you don't. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that because they like these shows to be a little better. He didn't say exactly that, but like, yeah, that's what they were watching. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's mm-hmm. why that's why the Judge Judy's is popular and I've never seen a single frame of it. Yeah. Um, and speaking of things I've never seen but know something about, uh, I remember when I was a young man, hip, Rise of Hip Hop Taz shirts with Taz with his hat backwards. It began the craze of what do you call it? Making your hat look like it's always new. The yes. current flat brim trend <laughs> yes, is part of that. that. Was yeah. popular right at this time. Oh my god, I've never put these things together. What? And uh, and at the time, it was popular to leave your tag in your hat because mm-hmm. so it looks right, fresh off the shelves for as long as you can. The more mm-hmm. immaculate it looks. It might indicate you make more money than a person whose hat looks shitty. And, uh, of course, I believe my mother cracking herself up. You look like Minnie fucking Pearl. Oh <laughs> and she laughed about that. I'm not kidding. For like a decade. Yeah. And, uh, and I didn't know who she was. And then I figured out somewhere along the line, she is the woman with the sail tag in her hat from Hee Haw. And this week she's making her final appearance. I remember as a little kid, I the opening sequence to Hee Haw? All in. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Hmm. It's animated. A donkey explodes uh, and, <laughs> and bites the camera in half. And then it like immediately goes into like hayseed humor and banjos. I'm like, oh, good Lord. Yeah. Gross. Uh, so that's, that's about all I know about Hee Haw. I prefer Horse Apples, the Wonder Chosen version. Yeah. <laughs> so Hee around for a jillion trillion years. For 30 years. And- Minnie Pearl was on it most of that time. Um, wow. She'd been on it 20-something years. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in her late 70s at this point. She was born in 1912. Jesus Christ. And, uh, yeah, and she was a comedian. And there aren't a lot of female comedians. When we talk about early female comedians, you know, we always talk mm-hmm. about, like, Joan Rivers and Phyllis mm-hmm. Diller. And I feel like we should throw in Minnie Pearl along with Moms Mabley and stuff. Because, yeah, she, it was very... Jeff Foxworthy style. It's very country humor. I feel like in that first season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, is that kind of who Jane Lynch's character is a little bit? A little bit. It takes a little the folksiness, yeah. Okay, okay. Because I I don't know who else that would be. I don't have any more insight to more a more folksy female comedian. Yeah. I don't think Minnie Pearl was such a poser compared to Jane Lynch's <laughs> character. I had, she'd already like gotten a double mastectomy, beat breast cancer, but this is her last, her, her last appearance. And she had a real bad stroke. And that was the end of it. Cause she's in her late seventies. What do you want? Yeah. Yeah. Again, right. 1912. It's the, I don't know what it is. I can't believe I never connected the thing with the hats and the tags before, but I just always thought she was kind of funny. And this is pretty astonishing. This is a, uh... Vince McMahon collecting all his toys um, gets all his candy uh, after being fired from the WCW. Ric Flair finally debuts in the WWF. There are very few people who have stayed away from the WWF throughout their wrestling career, and Ric Flair is kind of notable for being most famous outside of WWF. Uh, Sting, <laughs> another example. Maybe Goldberg, who you saw wrestle a weekend or two ago, but Ric Flair, one of the most 
I, I love this person so much. <laughs> Rick, old Ric Flair footage <laughs> is among the best wrestling footage you can see. This had to be super exciting. I didn't understand who exactly he was because I was watching mostly WWF, which means you have to, you, you had to be like a really hardcore wrestling fan to know people in other promotions at this point in the 90s. But uh, he, Ric Flair was already pretty legendary. So I looked up exactly why he was fired. Him and Jim Hurd didn't get along. Not as interesting as I thought it was going to be. I know because Ric Flair was fired from WCW over an event in Tallahassee, my hometown. So hmm. that's the one I thought was going to be super memorable. But whatever, Ric Flair, after... I believe wrestling for 20 years finally ends up in the WWF and he will wrestle wow. another 20 or so because he can't stop getting divorced. Poor Rick. <laughs> poor, poor Rick Flair. Everybody he give just, me a woo! He, he just loves to be in love, Chris. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's a romantic at heart, okay? Really? Because well. uh, when I was Googling this, the the suggestion beneath, like, how many women has Ric Flair been with? And it's just click that arrow and it's just like 10,000. According to him, this many a night for this many years. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, 10,000. He said it in an interview recently. 10,000 women. Attaboy, Rick. Not at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that I'd be impressed by. That, yeah. <laughs> that would be some real loaves and fishes that's, situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But... I don't either. <laughs> it makes me think of the miracle of Hanukkah. <laughs> there was only enough dick for eight women. But instead it lasted for 10,000. <laughs> And as far as video games go, I'm, I'm ballparking this. But in a world where parents are just starting to, to complain about the rise of violence in video games, Street Fighter is just a few months old. This, I remember making the sizzle reel because it was a great motorcycle racing game. Uh, but you also had the added benefit, like you could pick up a pipe and bash the player next to you and knock him off his motorcycle. And that would be... Road Rash, uh, one of those things I put in the Fallen franchise category. This was huge for us um, in, in, e in EA before they were, uh, no, they're still EA, <laughs> but uh, this is huge for them, and uh, it was on the Sega Genesis. This is the first time I remember staying up all night playing video games was with Road Rash, or was it Mario Kart? I can't remember, but I, what I do remember is the first time I used Prodigy and started looking at the dirty message boards on Prodigy. Ooh. No pictures. Got to read your own. Got to read your own porn here. Ooh, let me see what this young man posing as a woman would do to me. All right. <laughs> and and here. and uh, lastly, we have music of 1991, uh, September 3rd through the 9th. Ooh, look at that. Everything I do, I do it for you. By Brian Williams is still number one, but we have Tin Machine <laughs> Two. Brian Williams. What what I say? Brian Adams. <laughs> Brian Ryan Adams. Brian Williams lying again, saying yeah. that he had a big chart talking. I, I thought I knew. I, I thought I shouldn't trust him, but you know it's in the dock. Brian Adams is still number one, but Tin Machine Two by you'll never guess Tin Machine. Tin Machine is back, baby. I mean, David Bowie is Tin Machine, but no one likes Tin Machine. No one likes Tin Machine. <laughs> well, uh, very smart calling it Tin Machine and not David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, David well, Bowie's deal. Yeah. No, I mean, oh God, I forget where it was I saw it, but there was something about um, like when Tin Machine first went out on tour and like people didn't like this direction they were going and like all the roadies had t-shirts made that said, fuck you, I like Tin Machine. Oh, <laughs> uh, and if I'm not, is that who the musical guest is on SNL when Macaulay Culkin hosts? Because that was just, that's pretty Probably. surreal. Yeah. Because he will throw to them. We have Horoscope, Horoscope by Overkill, Roll the Bones by Rush. Nature of Assisted by Queen Latifah and ooh, self-titled by Naughty by Nature. That was a fucking great. That was a great album. A wonderful meld yeah. of happy rap and porny 
half gang. The, the videos made him gangster them up a little bit, but man, I love Naughty by Nature. Um, Travelers and Thieves by Blues Traveler. Yick. And oh my God, Roping in the Wind. I was There was just a thread in the Laser Time Facebook community of people who had to sing some of these songs in their public schools every morning. Man. That's how big what? Garth Brooks was. Yeah. This album, too, has some great, great songs on it. Like, mm-hmm. oof. Really, this this is massive. This is this, this is, is a, a massive album. What the low places song? It's on this album, right? Mm-mm. No, no. no. Apple of Mama, Shameless, the Billy Joel cover, Rodeo, Rodeo, The River. Oh, I know Rodeo. Does that standing outside the fire on it? I can't remember uh, because I did have these albums. It's like Garth Brooks kind of brought people into an entire genre. It was yeah. very crossover, and I don't really, I'm not really sure why. I, I guess that's why he. I, he it's want- a special alchemy, I think. He's yeah. just got, you know, sometimes people just have that special sauce that, like, really just everyone makes the exception for them. Like, mm-hmm. when in the early aughts, when, you know, everyone was, like, really, like, all my friends were, like, really into indie rock music or whatever, but mm-hmm. they always made the exception for Britney Spears. You know, like, yeah. it's just that one person that everyone's always like, yeah, but this guy's cool. Well, I think we talked about that when he talked about his Chris Gaines character, like, like, dude, if you want to make popular music, just do it. In fact, you probably already do because that's why you keep crossing over so well. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're a lot less honky tonk than I think you think you are in your country music. You know, Chris Gaines walked so that Taylor Swift could fly. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's a, right, that's see? truly what she did with yeah, her Katie Perry, career. Taylor Swift can mm-hmm. do it. Why can't you, Garth? Eh, I don't have to Katie change. Perry. You don't have to adopt a whole new character, but it's the first country album to debut at number one, and yeah. this thing was fucking huge. Platinum 14 times. Wow. Yeah, one of the highest selling records of all time. Does this have Thunder Rolls on it? This is the one with Thunder Rolls. No, no? the previous one. Yeah. That's the previous one? The Chase? The mm-hmm. Shameless? I can't remember, but you know what I do remember? Other people's penis or pussy. That is what it alleged <laughs> uh, that this it was alleged this song stood for. Uh, I've never looked into it to confirm, but... Other people's privates. Other people's privates? Does that work? Yes. No, they explain in the lyrics... Yeah, they do. <laughs> ...what the P might stand for. Oh. They, war- they walk Ow. you through without ever saying. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I I don't know if Naughty by Nature counts. It probably counts as a one-hit wonder. But this yeah. song is just... It just slaps. Man. There are, there are three it. songs. It's so juvenile, and I love there it. There are three songs on this album that that charted pretty high too. I I thought this was a great album. I thoroughly recommend it. Naughty by Nature, Hip Hop Parade. Oh shit, that's them. Right. Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, man. They got the, the, I mean, this is none of those songs get any play now. It's just no. this or Hip Hop Parade. But uh, I I love Naughty by Nature. So let's let's take you out of 1991 with them. We get back, people. Stay tuned because we have a lot to talk about in 2001. None of it will be of the order of magnitude of Prayer for the Roller Boys, but we, but we must persevere and move on. So <laughs> stay right there, everyone.
Folks, you might have heard us talk about Manscaped and the importance of male grooming before. Well, now that summer is upon us and the clothes are starting to come off, it's more important than ever to give yourself a little boost of confidence and look your personal best by taking care of some of that stray body hair. Some of it down there. Since it's so hot, you might even want to trim things a bit shorter than usual. And when you do, take it from two guys who have learned the hard way more than we care to admit, you want to be sure you're doing so safely, especially when trimming the hair down there. And that is where Manscaped can help. It may be a scorcher out there, but it's time to bundle up in here. With Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, a.k.a. the GOAT of ball trimmers. Go! Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold on to your goodies. Their fourth generation Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunctional on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? In the shower or in the wild, and from your chest pubes all the way down to your ball fro, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ears. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Not those delicate holes, you sickos. Your ear and nose holes. Uh, once you're done grooming, you seal the deal with Manscaped's delightfully scented liquid formulations. Before heading outside, use Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to keep you on your game in the heat. Then, after trimming the lawn and whacking your weeds, give your beach balls a boost with Crop Reviver. There are a few things as refreshing as a little spritz from the Crop Reviver. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort in boxers to another level and get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME, one word, LASERTIME at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and the weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Coming in with um, I'm Real by Jennifer Lopez featuring Ja Rule at number one. This song is still great, by the way. (laughs) What's my motherfucking name? Also, by the way, the first, the opening, like, line. So did everyone else think that she was saying, are you Ellie? Like a question mark? Are you? It's it's, She's spelling rule. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought she was asking if he was someone named Ellie. Are you Ellie? Who wants to know? Who wants to know? Or maybe it was like, are you ready? But just like in a, like, you know, I don't know. PlayStation 1 marketing campaign. Uh, Yeah, but I mean, I said the thing I said right before the, I associate this song with another American event because I remember this is when the song came out. It's like the last moment of like, eh, 
is this song any good? That's the most important thing that can happen in my American life. Holy Lord. So yeah. next... it will, it'll still be number one next week. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. Then a lot of songs will disappear from the radio suddenly. Thank yeah. you for your channel. Yeah. But this is yeah. a song I, I, I kind of remember. It immediately conjured thoughts I, uh, that had not occurred to me when we started the show that we have next week is... Who knows what we're going to do? <laughs> um, uh, but uh, we shall see. Um, anyway, moving on to the 2001 other new releases in music. Cold Frontier by Show of Hands. A Funk Odyssey by Jamiroquai. Uh, Jane Doe by Converge. Toxicity by System of a Down. Yeah. And Those Who Tell the Truth Shall Die. Those Who Tell the Truth Shall Live Forever by uh, Explosions in the Sky, which became part of a conspiracy theory because it has the words, this plane will crash tomorrow in the liner notes. And people thought it came out on 910, uh, but no, it came out on September 4th. Oh boy, see, it's, mm-hmm. it's already Remember started. Remember those cute little conspiracy theories? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah no, very, I very don't cute. because I've been eating horse paste all week. No. <laughs> <laughs> Anything uh. but what the libs prescribe. Uh, perf- what a performance of uh, As Slow as Possible by John Cage begins. Is this a news story? Yes, this isn't. Well, it's music. Okay. It's a music news story. By John Cage begins in. Halberstadt, am I saying that right? Germany, uh, on a special, a specially built organ. The first part of the performances uh, was a pause lasting 18 months. The first note was played in 2003. <laughs> it is scheduled to last until the year 2640. What the fuck, yes. man? Art yes. trust fund kids. <laughs> the song is called As Slow As Possible. As Slow As Possible. They're going to play it as slow as possible, even if that takes 600 years. And that. But how are they going to play it? They have a special organ with, like, I don't know if it's computers. I think it actually is, like, a guy comes in and changes the note. But it might just be a computer. I don't know. But, like, maybe his son will do that, and then his son will do that. I'm gonna... just, generations and generations are like, oh, okay, in two months I, I hit the next note. Fuck that. John Cage, this is your Chinese what democracy. What if you have food poisoning? Yeah, exactly. Oh. Your alarm be... doesn't go off. But yeah. Then you have to start over. <laughs> oh, you have to start over. <laughs> or you just incorporate the brown note. And <laughs> off the brown note. Yeah. Oh. But somewhere in space, wow. there are aliens that have a different idea of time who are like, this rocks! Yeah. <laughs> yes. Man, that first note couldn't have come in any earlier, you know? That, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Welcome to 2001, everyone. We've got some movies to talk about. A lot of movies, actually. Oh, my God. Including one Psycho Beach Party with Laura Ambrose, Thomas Gibson, Nicholas Brandon, and Amy Adams. Psycho Beach Party. Yeah, so... Uh, I don't know how I feel about this because it's a parody of beach party movies that was originally done on stage called Gidget Goes Psycho, I think, mm-hmm. or Gidget Goes Berserk. And, Whoa. you know, it's like a, a wacky pastiche comedy thing. And I it just never quite clicked with me. Like maybe it worked better as a play, but it's like when you're like intentionally, it's hard to intentionally make fun of things that are already bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it's a fine line to walk. So uh, it's didn't quite uh, for me, but I, I know a lot of other people. I, I think it's a lot of fun. Kind of aged out of whatever that Pride and Prejudice meets Zombies, whatever that genre is. Like I have no interest in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, clever juxtaposition! You're the first young person to think of this. <laughs> Soul Survivors is also out this week with uh, Melissa Sage Miller, Casey Affleck, and Elijah Dushku. Oh, um, this got some of the most brutal reviews I've yeah. read in quite a while because it's. You know, it's like there's a horrible car accident and her boyfriend Casey Affleck dies and then she like keeps being haunted by these things. And then I'm just going to spoil it. Everyone is like, no, she was in a coma that whole time. And this was all happening on like an astral plane. Yeah, it sounds like pretty, 
pretty bad. Oh, <laughs> I could not find a critic saying much nice about it. But it's like, again, there's a way to do this right. And it sounds like you just didn't. Sorry. Mm. And uh, Okay, we... now, now we get into two movies that are very hard to watch. Yeah? Uh, do you mean the classic The Piano Teacher uh, with <laughs> Isabel Hubert and uh, Annie Giardo? Uh, Isabel yeah. Hubert. 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 Yeah. So, okay. We have two movies with like massive trigger warnings on them here because they're both about like very fucked up sexual relationships with major age and power dynamic problems. The piano teacher, all you need to know is it's directed by Michael Haneke. Great. Bring the kids in. Let's do this. Pass. Yeah. Isabel Huppert is this, you know, piano teacher and she starts like having this like weird psychosexual BDSM relationship with the student. And it's like, Oh gosh. Yeah. She's like hurting people. She's hurting herself. She's hurting her mom. It's just, it's really, it's really disturbing. I um, like, yeah, maybe 15 years ago I started it and I couldn't finish it. So it's just like, I'm, you know what? Like a John Cage song. (laughs) Like Like, I, I have limited time in my life and I don't mean to do this to myself anymore. I'm sorry. I'm sure. Isabel Huppert is wonderful in it, as always. She's an amazing actress, but it's like, this is just her. Yeah, no. fuck that. I'm just going to go watch the Lorax again. So yeah, I... no, it's just Michael Haneke is like, he he wants me to feel bad, and he has succeeded, so. <laughs> Mission okay. accomplished. Do I have to see all the whole thing? No? Partial credit. Yeah. Uh, also out this week, Billy K. Paul Dano, uh, Brian Cox, and L.I.E. Um, yeah, another one um, where Brian Cox is a pedophile. Another one. Yeah, well, I mean, it's another movie about uh, a big age difference in a relationship and how fucked up it is. And yeah, Brian Cox is a pedophile. And Paul Dano is all of 17. This is kind of his breakout-ish role. Mm -hmm. It's not his debut, but it's really close. Who has this relationship with him that is like not fully sexual, but is like really inappropriate. While Brian Cox is also having a relationship like with his friend who's kind of a hustler. And uh it's just, it's real uncomfortable. Mm. It's kind of like if App Pupil had way more creepy gayness in it. Oh, my really? goodness. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty creepy. It is really good. I'm not saying it's not good, but it is, like, really, really not for everyone. It's, yeah. Yeah. Do Don't be oh. just like, oh, Brian Cox yeah. is so great on Succession. Mm. Let's see what else he's done. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's doing bad things. Like, and literally, Paul Dano is underage like his mom had to be on set the whole time because it gets really really inappropriate well and man i guess inoffensively bad we have the next film (laughs) Um, yeah all right let's let's move past the stuff for the very grown-ups and move into stuff for everybody (laughs) timothy spall uh dominic west timothy oliphant uh jennifer aniston and uh mark Wahlberg, rock star He's just an ordinary guy. Is that mascara? I'm in a band. Oh, but on September 7th, we're auditioning for a new lead singer. He'll go. The good Lord has given you a gift from small town. Oh my God, this is unbelievable. It's a big time. It's gonna be great, babe. Rockstar, rated R, starts September 7th. Ooh, I remember this. Uh, I believe. George Clooney brought this in the world somehow. I think he's a producer hmm. on it. That uh, huh. he was talking about it because there was kind of a, a semi-ironic new wave of a, for love for cock rock for for your heavy metal for your your hair band stuff that had been mm-hmm. like pretty uncool for a for a very long time, most of my life. Yeah. 
And people were kind of making jokes, bringing out old hair metal songs, and this movie was here to capitalize on that. And yeah, and it's and it's based on a true story. It's it based on uh, Ripper Owens, who replaced Rob Halford R- Rob and James Halford, Priest. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's he literally was a singer in a tribute band, huh. and uh, Rob Halford left Judas Priest, and then they decided, yeah, we want to keep going, and they except that I don't they, think they hired this guy. Did, in that the movie, happened with Journey too. It did. Oh, yeah. Except was it in a cover band. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. he's like nice. uh, I don't think the, the I forget his name, but like English wasn't even his native language. He's uh, yeah. from South America, but no. could do Steve Perry when Steve Perry couldn't. Uh, but this, I I don't think Rob Halford was kicked out of his band for being gay, which they, he wasn't kicked out of his band. I know, but that's the the movie <laughs> implies that that's what's happening, and which is why they don't call it the uh, Judas Priest story. It's Steel Panther, Steel yeah. Panther, and it is. Fucking boring. It is. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm, it is not. It good. was just all. It it when it wasn't boring, it was just being really cliched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I feel like you should watch it in a double feature with Invincible from two thousand six. <laughs> uh huh. We need one more to make it an actual genre of Mark Wahlberg gets a one shot at fame based on a true story. Okay. So, yeah. it, that, that happened in Invincible too. It was like yeah. Go where, Eagles. You know, yeah, just okay. some nobody tries out, and now he's in the big leagues. Yeah. yeah, this movie feels like for a, like, talking about a genre that is supposed to be, like, shocking and, like, not your parents' music, mm-hmm. this movie is so inoffensive yeah. and just, like, <laughs> it's so, it, it feels like the uh, Aerosmith-themed rock and roller coaster at <laughs> Disney Hollywood Studios. Oh, goodness. Well, yeah. that is that is a that is a powerful in my wheelhouse slam, Sarah. Yeah, one of my least favorite Disney that. rides. Yep. I don't know what that means, but it makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, you got to go to Disney Hollywood Studios. Ride it while you can, because I really hope that thing is gone the next time I go there. Rock and roller coaster. <laughs> All I just needed to hear Aerosmith and roller coaster. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and, and it's it's supposed to be this debaucherous depiction of all the things that are we're currently. Uh, amused by on VH1's Behind the Music because mm-hmm. that's that's part of this oh, resurrection. And it's like I think you're right. That is the missing piece here. Yeah, but Behind the Music was so much more interesting and mm-hmm. then with with less time to use than this movie. I remember seeing this like this is about a fake band, but I I feel nothing and this this is not really telling me anything. It's just a amalgam of everything you wanted to show you wanted to film from Behind the Music for a band that's not real. You could have yep. just taken any band and made a more interesting movie. <laughs> yeah, I you also. Know, I was gonna say you can take a fake band and more and make a more interesting movie with yeah. Timothy Spall, yeah. still crazy from what two years before, mm-hmm. is so much better than this. Yeah. And that's about old bastard rockers getting back together. And it is so much more rock and roll than this movie. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, it also, and I understand that this is the look at the time that they were going for, but man, it really takes a lot to take. Maki Mac, Timothy Oliphant, and Dominic West, and make them look so unbelievably unattractive. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I understand the look right. they were going for, but I just feel like they could ju- they could have judged it a little bit better so that <laughs> they were a little bit more attractive. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, maybe a little more conditioner on the hair, or mm. a little bit less scraggly body hair. I don't know what was wrong, but it was not good. You're right. It's that is a real achievement to make Timothy Oliphant unfuckable. Right? Yeah. Wow. That dude still I mean, got it to this day. Goddamn, do I I 
I don't want to fuck Tim the Elephant. I just would be powerless in the face of his charm. Okay. I, do. And, I just watched the episode of The Office that he was on. He's mm-hmm. on actually more than one, but I've been watching The Office again, and man. Yeah. yeah. I, the, yeah. First, the first episode of the new season of Mandalorian. Like, I'm glad I didn't see this when I was a kid. The, things would have changed for me. Tim <laughs> the Elephant squeezing into Boba Fett armor. Good Lord. <sighs> Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, fuck this movie. <laughs> and then <laughs> next we have uh, two can play that game with uh, Vivica Fox, Morris Chestnut, Anthony Anderson, Gabrielle Union, and Monique. This fall. Shantae, isn't that Keith over there on the dance floor? Ooh, what you gonna do? I'm gonna go over there and say, hey. The lines have been drawn. Love and war? Maintain military silence. Shantae, baby's Keith. Give me a call, okay? You have 11 messages. That's what I'm talking about. The sides have been chosen. She ain't no amateur. Yeah, well, neither am I. And the battle of the sexes is going to be an all-out war. Ugh, I don't know. Did anybody get a chance to see this one? This is this kind of movie's not for me. No. I, yeah. It's not for me either because I just get mad at all the characters of like stop playing games and just talk like adults. Yeah, Jesus real. Christ! I don't like. Yeah, that's kind of the the whole point. Is that like Morris Chestnut's getting all this in this uh, advice from Anthony Anderson about like how to be a player, make it jealous, and Vivica Fox is like got this whole plan about like how to make him jealous and how to like you know don't answer this call, I'll answer this call. I don't know. And I always just want to smack everyone and be me like, too. just be adult yeah. and if they if you start acting like an adult and they keep playing a game then you're done yeah that's yeah, ridiculous then, all right just do do the you know hand gesture that uh casino dealers do of just you, like nothing ah. up my sleeve i'm out you think yeah, you're gonna huh. be in your 20s and hot forever quit fucking around you got to, exactly. don't waste this time quit <laughs> fucking around and do more fucking around yes. <laughs> and also although spoiler alert vivica fox and morse chestnut are still sexy 20 years later and it's that's very true. upsetting <laughs> Anthony Anderson like has not aged either. It's, That's true. Oh my god, he is. Baby he looks faced. exactly the same. I was Truly. like, what? The, what, <laughs> what? Black don't crack. Um, and then the lastly number in the box office this week. Okay. Oh boy. I, I just put it here. This is my prayer of the Roller Boys for the week. Okay. Oh. Hell yeah. yeah. Mina Savari, Catherine Deneuve, Stephen Ray, Tim Roth, Justin Chambers. Number one with a with a blade. The Musketeer. He wants to be a musketeer. Experience one of the greatest stories ever told, as you've never seen it before. You're quite good. A timeless classic is completely reimagined with fight choreography by Hong Kong legend Yen Yen Zhong. All for one! The Musketeer, rated PG-13. Mm-hmm. I forgot this ever existed. I have no memory of this. Mm-hmm. I, some a lot of streaming services seem to have forgotten this existed too. <laughs> it's pretty hard to dig up. Where'd you end up seeing it? An illicit oh, place? I think not very legally. Okay. <laughs> but I watched it back in the day, and uh, like it doesn't help that Sunday. it's a Universal Miramax collab because uh, mm-hmm. anything with Miramax on it is you know you know what happened. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I feel like it's almost like clockwork. We in 2011 we have a Three Musketeers movie coming up, so it's like every 10 years we got to do this because it has name recognition, but it's public domain. Justin Chambers, who I guess most people know from Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm. is the, the star. This did not become his breakout role, <laughs> and you know, and it's about D'Artagnan, and he's got to fight the bad guys, and then he got to get the other Three Musketeers on board, and then they do a bunch of fighting, and you can tell like the. I mean, they're selling it as a, you know, Matrix wire foo type movie. Like, why else would they mention that it's got a Hong Kong action yeah. choreographer? Like, right. 
that's the selling point. And that stuff is pretty fun. Much like Once Upon a Time in China, there is a giant fight in a room full of ladders. Always on board with that. It is so <laughs> fucking stupid. <laughs> and there are a lot of stupid Musketeer movies Ooh, in the world. 2011 like, one. Most of them. Most of them. Oh, the 2011 <laughs> one is hilariously stupid. I might end up being on board with that one too, because it's like, you need to see how stupid a movie can be. Mm -hmm. And this is just, it is, if you're going into it, expecting any kind of good movie, God help you. But if you're going in to see how goofy a movie can be. Yeah. I admit, I kept meaning right. to send that to you. You're like expressing all that anguish over not being able to find once upon a time in China. And the moment we put the show up criterion yep. announced, it's being released again on DVD. Yeah. Uh, the whole set, all six movies. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Pretty, pretty with a, with a 4k citizen Kane. Hell yeah. Yeah. But uh, coming to Blu-ray, I might have to grab them. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they will look gorgeous. Listeners. Did you not get Diane anything for her birthday? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so the Musketeer. It's like, I mean, it, it's almost like a don't ever seek it out, but if somehow it just appears in front of you, watch it and laugh at it okay. because it's really dumb. I, I'm, I'm so definitely going to check out the 2011 one again because that was fucking oh ridiculous. Oh my god! It's so I'm excited. From the I, I don't think I saw it. The director of Monster Hunter. Like clockwork, uh, as we did last decade, we also this day, decade have the MTV Video Music Awards. Um, and this one is, I believe, Diana highlighted, or Sarah highlighted, the most famous for Britney Spears holding that snake. Yeah, um, another it, one that's just... I don't know. Freaking it was the, iconic. The you snake. just say Britney Snake and boom, you know. Yeah. I think it was more the skin colored, flesh toned outfit. Um, that was pretty I awesome. I think that was from a different year. Oh, was it? I thought she was in like all white, white or beige holding that snake. But yeah, who was host this year? Jamie Foxx, fresh off his uh, Prince impression 10 years ago. <laughs> the trajectory of Jamie, Jamie Foxx, you're looking at it. Video of the year, Lady Marmalade. Best male video, ugh, Moby and Gwen Stefani, Southside. Uh, oh, I that song i know it's just but then best female video eve featuring gwen stefani let me blow your mind so gwen stefani picking up t winning the male and female video oh, wow. award wow mm. good for not her. sure if that's ever happened uh best group video in sync pop new artist alicia keys fallen if i think according to our charts this is it's finally knocked off uh, mm -hmm. it's been there like the whole summer uh best rock video limp biscuit rolling uh, mm -hmm. uh, R&B video, Destiny Child Survivor, rap video, Nelly Ride With Me, hip-hop video, Outcast, Miss Jackson. I don't have yeah. a problem with any of this other than Limp Bizkit. But uh, so, yeah, not a weirdly, yeah. reflectively, not a bad year for the VMAs. Yeah, it looks well, like all the, the smaller categories, the more technical categories got cleaned up by Fatboy Slim Weapon of Choice, which mm -hmm. is still... A video I will watch all the damn time. I love it so much. Oh, Ooh. my God. I love it so much. It was also one of the videos that, like, was cleared by Clear Channel to play on repeat after mm. the events of 9-11. So I saw it a million times during this, uh, this time period. Mm -hmm. um, this is also... I just want to know, this is a very specific piece of pop culture history. This is also the award ceremony where Macy Gray wore the dress that says my album is dropping tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's right. Her I'm album, sorry. my album, my album is dropping. Is it's dropping. dropping. <laughs> <laughs> that always reminds me of that. Like, it's just, anytime <laughs> I think of Macy Gray wearing that dress, I also think of that my album yeah. my album is dropping is dropping tomorrow and i also think of 9 11 like this <laughs> all those are like 
married together in my mind. Mm. Yeah. Oh my god. Wasn't wasn't Macy Gray? It was like spelled out in duct tape or something too. It wasn't even like she had it made and it would look interesting. It it was like electrical tape just spelled out on her back. Like my it album's was... dropping tomorrow. Yeah, it was a real misstep. I feel like this is also the one where Andy Dick plays Christina Aguilera's fictional cousin. <laughs> Daphne Aguilera. Yeah. That also I remember enjoying. I would I love an official release of that show. One. And that's uh, pretty good. Oh, and you know what? To make this well relevant to early 2020, a bunch of people pointed out since then that all the live animals and stuff on stage with Britney Spears, they're trained by the guy who is in Tiger King, who like has the sex cult. Oh right. It's that guy. I forgot about that. And I've, I don't know why I've always considered this the classy reality show. Uh, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. The, uh, the Amazing Race debuts this week. Not salacious. You don't see a lot of people. It, it, I never see it make a lot of water cooler talk. I'm always surprised by people like, oh, we, we never miss an episode of Amazing Race. It's the best. It's so good. It's so fun. It's kind of the perfect show to watch with your kids, basically at any age. The villains aren't that villainous, you know, and it's just, but it's very well produced and very well paced and put together. I did not start watching it from the beginning, but I did get involved when Mike White. That's when I watched it with his dad. And I was like, holy shit, Mike White is on The Amazing Race because he's a huge, huge reality TV fan. Mm -hmm. And he was on it with his dad, dad. who is a pastor who is gay. And as seen in the film Beginners. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think they they both kind of came out later in life. White Lotus is Mike White. Um, Right, right. Yeah, watching. if you're watching White mm-hmm. Lotus, yeah. And then after that, it just kind of sucked me in. So, like, now I never really think about it. But then if I'm looking at a streaming service, because that's how I watch TV now, and the Amazing Race pops up, I'm immediately back into it. It's yeah. really fun. Yeah. Hope you like yeah. your Paramount Plus mountain of content. Because that's yeah. only there. And it's one that does almost two seasons a year like survivor there have been 32 seasons in 20 years Jesus Christ! and yeah it's one i've i never really followed because i kind of don't care about the people i just want to see the locations like i just Mm. love a good travel show and i just want to be told about like oh they're in paris but they're not going to go to the eiffel tower or sacre coeur or you know like notre dame it's like oh you have to go to this thing in like way over here and it's got some historical interest and it's like mm-hmm. thank, thank you and i like that gif of that woman slingshotting a watermelon into her own face it is oh. one of the most violent <laughs> moments ever put on network tv truly, it, and, truly but apparently she's fine but it looks okay, good, horrific she's in my thoughts and prayers <laughs> it looks so bad <laughs> having a watermelon explode in your own face uh, at like 80 miles an hour why do I associate her with the the grape stopping woman from like the early nineties? I was 90s? just about to say that too. She's also my thoughts and prayers. Yeah. She actually though like but broke a rib to Ooh. the point where it punctured her lung, and that's why she was making that no, weird I, noise. I I I've fallen and knocked the wind out of myself a billion times. Never on live television, so I'm I have great sympathy. Every time I burp on Mike, I want to yell to my body, "Stop it!" And that's like. All she's left to do, she's like, stop it, stop it. I got to get it together. I'm on camera. What a pro. What a pro. Honestly, instead of watching that, because I feel actually bad for her because she did get really hurt, just watch the clip of Kelsey Grammer falling off the stage over and over again because that will always bring you joy. No, I always do because I I don't know what he was doing. but I so hurt. Please help me. I'm a UN interpreter. Oh, good Lord. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) I don't know how he got that out on like a three-foot fall. (laughs) Oh, good Lord. (laughs) 
Oh shit! Uh, so much joy. That is yep. that. I, I put that that fall in between Cheers and Frasier. That is like the, the best <laughs> things Kelsey Grammer's ever done. Sideshow Bob is number one. All right, everybody. I'm gonna try some or an experiment real fast for our next entry. Mm-hmm. Did your dad just poke his head around the corner? Are you? <laughs> is your grandfather running into the room? It can only be. No. It can only be. The debut. It's, it's <laughs> like, the dinner bell for old guys. <laughs> and I, I'm not immune to it either. I watch this every week with uh, Sarah's husband, Sam. Um, mm-hmm. It was pretty unprecedented, and, and we knew it was special at the time. Like, we love Saving Private Ryan, and two of the people involved want to come back and make that for television. It was it was a very special event. The kind mm-hmm. of thing you see happen pretty frequently now on streaming, but, like, uh, you know, usually you don't get someone the size of Spielberg and Tom Hanks yeah. Involved. And, this, and from this, Earth from Earth to the Moon was okay, but this was yeah. I've watched this a lot. Yeah. I mean Band of Brothers, it's also the scale of, of the production is mm-hmm. every episode mm-hmm. feels like its own movie. It's mm-hmm. it's so so well done. And oh, uh, I remember this being, I mean, because we keep mentioning 9-11's next week, that this became like therapy of like yeah. it's good, it's gonna be okay. We've dealt with worse, we've dealt with worse, was kind of how I felt. Mm. But also after we watched Saving Private Ryan again back uh two years ago, I rewatched this too, and I was just like, it was the first time I'd seen it, you mm-hmm. know, in almost 20 years. And I was like, this is even better than I remember it. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah, amazing, amazing sequence. From The Earth to the Moon, which I went back to watch after this and appreciated way more. The Pacific, mm-hmm. I've never had... The, I, I watched it live when it came out once and haven't watched it again. But this, it was like $80 on DVD and almost everyone every, everyone I knew had to try and get a copy of it. Mm-hmm. And, yep. Oh, I got it. Yeah. Yep, we have it. <laughs> I got it. It's, it's a little metal box. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it, it's yep, bizarre. It, it reruns, uh, what is it, every 4th of July? One of those patriotic holidays yeah. on the History Channel. Yeah, right. Uh, I yeah. forget which Memorial day. Memorial Day, maybe. Memorial yeah. Day. Yeah, so worth And it's just one of those things that, uh, that, that they got to talk to so many of the real guys like yes. that. Mm-hmm. That really makes it important. The fact that like these real guys sometimes are not depicted especially well and like they're okay with that. Because yeah. that's one of those things that always makes me nervous with, um, you know, dramatic reenactments. It's like everyone wants either them or, you know, the relative or whoever to like to look good. Like mm-hmm. to not be the one who screams under fire and runs away and gets someone killed. But it's like, sometimes that's what happens. So Uh. yeah, just, Oh, and it's, it's just such a great story. The fact that this like one unit, it went everywhere. They got dropped behind the lines at D-Day. They were, you know, at the liberation of the Netherlands and Belgium. And then they end up like at Hitler's, (laughs) Hitler's Eagle's nest and like Mm -hmm. steal all his shit. And they liberated a camp. I mean, it's like, (laughs) it, it really is all of, World, it's all of the European theater of World War II yeah, for America. All of it. Uh, yeah, one troop becomes like the Forrest Gump of the entire European theater. Uh, <laughs> yes. they, they touch upon everything, and I, I just remember watching. I know he doesn't. He probably isn't proud of this memory. I'd watch this with Sam, and there'd be those testimonials from the real the people the soldiers are based on these old guys who were not that old at the time, but yeah. Well, per- 70s. Yeah, 70s and talking about their World War II experience and every time like Sergeant Malarkey's came up, Sam would just yell, bullshit! Bullshit! It always made me laugh. Malarkey, to this day, is one of the funniest words I keep forgetting to use. Maybe Joe Biden can bring it back for me. Uh, the cast, too, is so... The cast is ridiculous. Crazy. Even, like, minor characters you see once. Like, I'm looking at the list, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. Andrew Scott, Hot Priest, is in this. And Simon <laughs> Pegg. And Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, and- Ron yeah. Livingston... 
yeah and tom hardy and those are just like the minor characters but yeah i mean led by damian lewis tiny mouth himself like mm-hmm. i just always really love that guy everywhere he shows up the guy who oh, promises yeah. he's not house huh? the guy who swears he's not house he's, he's i not never house. believe him no he's not house he's homeland guy yeah, okay i know yeah. he is yeah he's steve yeah, mcqueen he's steve yeah. mcqueen he's steve mcqueen yes. and- yeah, and he's been a Brit this whole time. He's been lying to us. Truly. He's also on Billions, not a Brit, which is also, yeah. God damn it. I How is he doing that? Well, yeah, but I mean, and then bring it all in. Donnie. We got Danny Wildbeg. Yeah. Who True. we all forget is an amazing actor, and it's kind of not fair. <laughs> like, you should be a punchline Donnie. 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 You were in a boy band, Donnie. Yeah, um, He's actually a fantastic actor, but yeah. I mean. Made yeah, better music yeah. than his brother. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, Neil Madonna and David Schwimmer. Whenever I whenever I hear malarkey, I think of David Schwimmer. <laughs> Is that true, Sergeant? Bullshit. Malarkey. Oh. Malarkey. And yeah, just they they found so many so many of these guys that are just like some of them moved up to hey, it's that guy. Yeah. And then some of them moved up to you know freaking stars. And goddamn, it's just so well done. Mm-hmm. Like. What the fuck? I, how much did this cost? I'm going to look those up. Is unprecedented. A miniseries of this scope and size. From the Earth to the Moon was a lot of sound stages, whereas like uh, they're filming over in Europe with massive amounts of people. Yeah. Uh, about 13 million an episode. Jesus Ooh, Christ. La la. Yeah. And it shows. Yeah. It I, I, shows. I, and I'm surprised, you know, sometimes you watch an HBO show and you never think about it again. But Band of Brothers you know, kind of keeps making it back in the spotlight. I've seen HBO, like, even kind of run it on television every once in a while in a way they wouldn't do with other shows from this era. So, yeah, it, it, yeah, it holds up. It Band really does. I was really expecting it to not hold up when I rewatched it. I just thought, you know, maybe it's too manipulative. It's too cheesy, whatever. You know, obviously, I watched it during, you know, the out, the fall from 9-11 and everything. Obviously, I was feeling emotional. Does it hold up? And then watching it, I'm like, Fuck yeah, it does. Like I said, I think it's better than I remembered it. Y'all should watch it. It's good. Yeah, and uh, finally, video games of 2001, or should I say video game. There is one, and everyone's getting out of the way for the Sega Dreamcast. It's Shenmue 2. One of the silliest games I've never liked and thought everyone was a sucker for contributing to the Kickstarter of the game that wants basically to be a recreation of real life. Get a job, get money, buy things, like literally put money in a Sega machine and play Outrun in this game when drive forklifts for a living. Dude, unless I can not let people go to the bathroom and then lock them in a room and they all catch fire like uh, The Sims, then I'm not going to do that. Yeah, it's... uh, uh, I believe people... It's... I think it's still one of the most expensive video games ever developed, <laughs> like $70 million, um, and it did not make anywhere near that back, and man, the third one came out after the whole world kickstarted it and gave it all, all millions of dollars to be made, and it was just the exact same unapologetic, like, literal life simulator with... N- <laughs> With nothing cut out. Uh, wake up, wash your face. No, no, no save points. Just keep going. Keep walking uh, around, walking around. Walk to your job. Talk to this person. No, no, you can't skip it. Don't skip it. It's not fun. It's real. Uh, it's art. <laughs> fun <laughs> if there was something that was like a life simulator like that, but one single thing was changed. Like, people can fly. <laughs> but you still have to go to your job and work for eight hours and go buy groceries, but you can fly. I'd feel a lot better about that, I think, if I could fly. 
I feel like if I could swim in the ocean, I would feel a lot better about slaving away all day. No. Um, every, I love swimming in the ocean. God You're damn. on the hedonic treadmill. You're, it never, you get used to it, and then it's just the same like everything else. Okay. I am going to buy a gun during the break. Welcome to your and, brain. And, <laughs> and take us out of 2001 I'm a Slave for You by Britney Spears, which she famously performed at the uh, 2001 Video Music Awards. And she was not in a flesh color. So she's in a green bikini. So you were I correct. Told what it was in the, it was in the article somewhere, but you know why don't we? But I want people to stay right there because if you think 9-11's <laughs> going to skeeve you out listening to, there is a much weirder movie to talk about when we get back. So don't move. ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of september 3rd through 9th oh we have two fun anniversaries let's start with september 5th 1921 it is the 100th anniversary of the fatty arbuckle hotel incident in which a huge star in more ways than one uh comedian fatty arbuckle was accused of killing a woman with either a Coke bottle, a champagne bottle, his sheer weight, something sex times, I don't know, and it destroyed his career, and it was one of the biggest scandals of all time. I believe you must remember this. Did uh, an episode about it because they went through Hollywood Babylon, you know, debunking and getting the real stories behind famous classic Hollywood things. There's also, like, uh, documentaries about it and stuff. It's, yeah, Fatty got railroaded, probably nothing to do with him, but it was, oh, the biggest of scandals of early Hollywood. So, happy 100th anniversary, um, death of Virginia rap. I feel bad about that. Moving on. It's also, it's the 75th anniversary this week of one of those Hitchcock movies that I feel like doesn't get brought up enough. Maybe because it's not about murder, but it is about another one of his obsessions, which is being paranoid because you're being watched all the damn time. From 1946, it's Notorious, starring Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman and Claude Rains. And this is one of the sexiest movie Hitchcock ever made. And uh, maybe it's because it doesn't star a blonde that he can torture. But it seems to have a lot more respect for its female lead than a lot of his other stuff. But it's about uh, just after the war, because... Yeah, I mean, they started making it in late 45. So it's just after World War II, and they've already figured out, oh, a bunch of Nazis are going to South America. So Cary Grant is a spy master, and he recruits Ingrid Bergman to go undercover with a bunch of German dudes and find out, like, what are those ex-Nazis up to? Meanwhile, they fall in love. It is ridiculously sexy, so much so that, like, the censor said, there's too much kissing in this scene. This is too long a kiss. It's It's just going to make everyone too hot and bothered. And so... He's like, no, 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 look, it's multiple kisses, so it's okay. Yeah, they were weird back then, man. Too much kissing. Uh, Everyone's wearing 18 layers of clothing, and they still think, oh, no, that's too suggestive. But everyone is so good in this. Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman have freaking amazing chemistry. I always love Claude Rains as someone who's probably up to no good, but you don't know. Like in Casablanca, where it's like, you're up to no good, but I still kind of like you. Maybe you'll do the right thing. I don't know. 
And so, yeah, she goes undercover in this house and tries to find out what's going on. And there's a bunch of sequences that are just like perfect Hitchcock ramping up the tension just with like cuts and pans and just deciding where to put the camera makes everything tenser. So much fun. Notorious 1946 somehow remade his Mission Impossible 2. They just stole the whole story. I'm really pissed off. Look, if you're looking for Cary Grant and Claude Rains to have a motorcycle fight, I am sorry, but you'll like the movie anyway. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. They say she's in the class 18, stuck in her daydream. Been this way since 18, but lately her face seems slowly sinking, wasting, crumbling like pastries. And they scream the worst things in life come free to us. Coming into 2011 with A-Team, not that one, 80s kids, the Ed Sheeran version off of his debut, plus... I know the very beginning of this song very well because it is the first song on my iPod, so whenever I get in the car and I accidentally just hit generic play, that's the first song that comes up. Oh, we gotta yes, get you, I still have an iPod. We gotta get you some number songs. They should, should come up before them. I, I'm so out of touch with popular music. I don't know why people dislike Ed Sheeran so much, but I remember, I remember like, I should Google what all this, nah, I don't care. And then I heard him sing on Game of Thrones and I thought his voice was lovely. And that's about all I know about it. <laughs> One of the funniest moments of my life was three years ago when my sister and I were, were going somewhere as a family and we get in the backseat of my parents' car. My dad just goes, well, I guess we can all agree Ed Sheeran's the hottest thing out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, girls. Okay, Dad. <laughs> I mean, I guess. If you say so, Father, <laughs> Ed Sheeran is the best. But we also have uh, new releases, Artificial Heart by Jonathan Colton, Father, Son, Holy Ghost by Girls, A Dramatic Turn of Events by Dream Theater, Era Extraña by Neon Indian, and Strange Mercy by St. Vincent. Last Friday night, TGIF by Katy Perry is still number one uh, right now. Welcome to 2011, everyone. What I have to say I love Jonathan Colton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just you know. like... A little bit less funny than, let's say, Fly the Concords. That, no, that is a good comparison. You know? I've never thought if about that. Look, he's between Fly the Concords and Bare, Ma Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't want to talk about did, They Might Be Giants. Did he write that, that Portal song? I think he might have. Anyway, moving on to movies of 2011. More Inside Out confusion. We talked about Herman's Head earlier. Not yeah, Inside Out. This is so weird that... Huh. 20 years later, we have a movie called Inside Out, but it's not that Inside Out, and it co-stars Michael Cudlitz, who is in Band of Brothers, so it's hitting all of our decades. <laughs> uh, it also what? has uh, Diana, your favorite wrestler, Paul Levis, Triple H, Herman <laughs> Hurst Helmsley, uh, Michael Rapoport. That's why he narrated the Ruthless Aggression documentary. Michael Rapoport was one of the worst documentary narrators I think I've ever seen. <laughs> he just yells swears the whole time. And then this fucking guy, he was thinking of his father. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it was not great. And Parker Posey, Julie White, Michael Claudette's, uh, Cudlitz, how do you say it? No. Cudlitz and Bruce Dern. Yeah, so Inside Out, not that one, the other one. Stars Triple H as a guy who's just getting out of prison, and like Michael Rappaport is his buddy who is like also in the mob, but also stole his woman, who's Parker Posey? <laughs> huh? Yes. Uh, no, Triple H and Michael Rappaport are fighting over Parker Posey, which is the weirdest casting. <laughs> she pops up in such weird places. Like, I love yeah. her, but girl. 
what you doing? Yeah, I, it's just, it's, she's wandered in from another movie. I, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. And so there's, you know, mob friction, whatever, trying to get your woman back. Oh no, she got kidnapped. The reviews were all like pretty rough saying like, sorry, tri- Triple H has a kind of charisma, but not like movie star charisma. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it's an interesting cast. I'll, I'll give you that. That's... Speaking of, uh, Nick Swardston. <laughs> Let's talk about the worst movie of the year. Officially. Ooh, wow. Rotten Tomatoes gave it an award. Uh, Steven Dorff, Don Johnson, Christina Ricci, and Nick Swardson and Bucky Larson, colon, born to be a star. Another oh God. in the parade of Happy Madison movies with a, a character's name being the title of the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Nick Swardson, who wrote this, stars as a guy whose parents were both 70s porn stars. And mm-hmm. he decides that is his job. He should do that, too. So he tries to become a porn star, except um, he's weird looking. He's Nick Swardson with buck teeth and he has a very tiny penis. <laughs> OK. Uh, wow. The reviews were I I can't think of any movie we've talked about in any decade that were this angry i mean people were furious they hated this so much that i i just i end up feeling bad for nick swartzen because he can be really funny yeah. but no, i love nick swartzen Nah, this just is not no i mean just reviews from people who are like trying to be nice and just saying like no jokes land i'm just staring in disbelief the whole time of like why why are you doing why did you think this was funny why uh, I I only watch clips. I was like, I can't do this to myself. Oh, poor Bucky. Yeah. Poor yeah. The worst <laughs> reviewed movie of the year by wow. far. I think it's got like a 2% wow. on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, no. Uh, the only nice reviews were basically saying it's really bad, but not not as mean <laughs> as people. It's like they, they all said it was bad, not that it sucks and everyone involved should be shot. Oh. Those are the positive reviews saying oh, that it's bad. Ooh. please the- put in the comments if you made it through this i would love to hear opinions because you know there's people out there who love it it's that's sure. always true with comedy that there's someone it speaks to so if you're that one guy and nick swartzen's your brother let us know <laughs> um oh god don't let him know i i'm nice guy i met him a couple times um really really like nick swartzen dude every um, time he showed up on reno 911 i'd basically oh, applaud yes. him. unbelievable <laughs> So good. He's great in uh, the ice skating movie. Um, oh, yeah. Blades of Glory? Blades of Glory, yes. yeah. Loved him. Yeah, but this this kind of torpedoed a lot of his chances. It's like, mm. you can't carry a movie. Everyone hates this, and they hate you. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not fair. Everyone gets a failure. Come on, dude. And do something that doesn't suck. Then we have, uh, for an actually funny movie, uh, Kevin Hart, Laugh at My Pain. I, always one of my favorite stand-up titles. I didn't know it was released theatrically. Oh, yeah. As yeah, a... it's, it's it does very very well. Yeah. He's I think he's the only stand up that still puts out stand up movies to theaters and they do well. Yeah, I mean, there aren't that, that many. That's such a great idea. Laugh at my pain could be the name of every single stand up special. It's just not a, a cheesy thing that lets you know like this Subjects. is going to be crazy and like yeah. no, just laugh at my pain. That's what we're here to do. Good mm-hmm. on you, Kevin. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's. You know what? I'm going to put that on my list of things to do once COVID's completely over is to go see a stand-up movie because there'll be a crowd and yeah. laughing with other people. It's like every everything gets more infectious and I, funny. I don't think I've ever done crowd. that in the theater. Huh. I don't think I have either. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing so much stand-up. But yeah, I, been a ton of stand-up. Yeah, we have tickets to see stand-up in January. So oh, everybody get your shit together. <laughs> yeah. yes. Get 
vaccinated. Please. The FDA just approved it, and that thing you you say you'll take it when it does that, that'll probably end up happening too. So mm-hmm. just just go get it, and we can all open mouth kiss at the Applebee's together. It'll be awesome. Ooh, um, and oh, this is a pleasant surprise. I thought yeah. uh, you were not incorrect, Diana. A good. MMA movie. I believe streaming on Peacock. You can see Kevin Dunn, Nick Nolte, Frank Grillo, Jennifer Morrison, Tom Hardy, and Joel Edgerton in Warrior. You're my big brother. You bailed on me. I was a 16-year-old kid. What the hell did I know? From the director of Miracle, this is Big Turn. I'm going to need a trainer. What began as an incredible challenge. I got a family to protect. Everything I do is for them. Became one family's impossible journey. The two men fighting for the championships tonight are brothers. On September 9th. You can do this. What do you say? I can do this. Chase your dreams. In theater September 9th. Oof. Uh, yeah, Warrior. I, just a sport I won't pretend to be an expert on ultimate mm-hmm. fighting or anything like that. I mean, we used to watch them when you could get them on videotape and they allowed eye gouging and ball punching and hair pulling. Oh. Like, it was just fucking vicious. And I'm glad it's not still that. But it's also, um, I think it's why you see so many boxing movies is because it is, you can focus on one person. For baseball, you need a whole team to get together to win. But for this sport obviously you can be one person and unlike boxing you can kind of get through the system a little quicker than Mm. a boxer can because there's a lot more i think there's a lot more amateur mma bouts and it's it's one of those sports where like if you lose you might hurt yourself forever and never be able to do this again (laughs) so it's like it's i can I, i can't believe i didn't that notion didn't occur to me like oh this could be an interesting story the life of a amateur gone pro mma fighter is gonna be a rough one yeah and 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 that's what uh, what sets warrior apart that was pretty interesting is i thought it was just about tom hardy yeah and no it's about tom hardy and joel edgerton are both on this fighting journey where normally you know a rocky type thing it's only about one of them but it's about both of them kind of on these parallel tracks where tom hardy yeah, they're, they're estranged brothers. Uh, Tom Hardy's just sort of appeared out of nowhere and mm-hmm. won't talk about his past or what he's been doing. And is re- he like barely speaks so much of the time. And Joel Edgerton is like, oh, he used to be a fighter, but like now he's got kids. He's teaching school at, at high school, you know, and but, the, you know, Bank's going to take his house. What's he going to do? He's going to he, he needs the money. So he gets back into fighting and they're kind of on. It's like two different movies on these parallel tracks for a lot of the time until they finally intersect about an hour in we get to the big tournament Mm -hmm. and then the back half is like just the tournament and it's really deep i was so surprised i really really liked it yeah me too the whole the whole first half is is basically the fighter Mm -hmm. it's really similar (laughs) to the fighter in that sort of the estranged family but trying to work through their shit nick nolte's their dad and he's a recovering alcoholic and tom hardy is like he does a lot of little subtle things that are a lot like what subtle things that Nick Nolte does as an actor. Like there's a couple times where it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. I can believe that you guys are related. Like I'm seeing it. Like Tom Hardy's doing, no one's doing a Pittsburgh accent, which is disappointing. It's <laughs> a bunch God. of yinzes. It's just, wow. Like uh, a couple reviews, I think Ebert's review was saying like, I don't know if I've ever got to the end of a fighting movie where I want everyone to win equally. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I kind of like, Whoever wins, I'm happy for them. Yeah. You know? Like Alien versus Predator. Yeah. So, well, whoever wins, we win too. <laughs> also, I do have to say, though, like, I like boxing movies. I'm not much of an MMA person, but 
Tom Hardy's character does something that I would love to see someone else do. It's like, you know, this big hype and hype and huge tournament with this massive person that's going to be in Atlantic City. And, you know, normally fighters come out with their entourage. They've got music, lights. He comes out with no music, walks into the cage, punches the guy, goes down, taps out, and he just walks out of the cage and leaves. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah, no, no press, no interviews, no talk. Just like, I'm just here to kill people. Okay, bye. If a fighter made that their thing, everyone would love it. Got it. Got to watch wrestling. Goldberg doing that for years, Diana. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I just love extent. that he's named Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'll always love him for that. Sadly, this movie oh. was completely overshadowed by the uh, the number one of the box office movie this week. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe they didn't sell Warrior right. Like that ad was making it seem much more inspirational mm-hmm. than it is. It's, you know, it's less Rocky and more the fighter. Mm-hmm. And when I say Rocky, most people think like Rocky 2, 3, and 4 as opposed to like the original Rocky. It's more like the original Rocky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Warrior was like a big surprise for me. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, you can watch it free on Peacock. So I encourage people to check it out. Yeah, and it wasn't way till the end when I was like, there really isn't much blood in this fight. Oh my God, is this PG 13 the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a good example of like, you can still have a mature ass adult movie and have it be PG 13. Like, yeah, you could show this to an 11 year old and yeah, they'll be okay. It just sort of wow. reminded me of a movie that we don't really kind of see. And I, I'm not sure if we'll see for a while, like a, a standard fighter movie. We used to get them yeah. like once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the next movie, Sarah, wh- wh- why did we do a laser time on pandemics or outbreaks? Was that before the? Yeah, it was before the pandemic. We did a whole laser time oh. about outbreak type movies because that's one of mine and Sam's like favorite micro genres. Mm-hmm. We're really like that sort of thriller aspect. So it's it's a micro genre of, I would say, thriller or disaster movie sometimes. Mm-hmm depending and so we i actually just pulled up my doc for that that i made like way back when and i I actually could probably tell you yeah back in 2000 march 2019 wow Wow. one year when we you were a year early Mm -hmm. yeah oh my god you guys because i watched i I I, do this yeah (laughs) i kind of half watched the next film for that show i was more excited to watch Outbreak, because that movie's just wonderful. But I watched this again in March of 2020 with the people mm-hmm. who were stuck in my house, and it was sort of mind-blowing that uh, WHO's name gets dropped all the time. I've never heard social distancing said so many times one year. I know. before. Yeah. Like, I never... Who had heard that before March 2020? Steven Soderbergh was on top of things. And mm-hmm. I was glad to sort of check it out again, because we watched this and scared the shit out of ourselves in the beginning of the pandemic. And now we know it is not this fast and this dead, this contagious and this deadly what we're dealing with. It's just still sucks and it's still deadly. It's just not as drastic as seen in the movie starring Marion Cotillard, Jennifer Eel, uh, Brian Cranston, Kate Winslet, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jude Law, Lawrence Fishburne, and uh, Maddie Dayday, Maddie Damon. Uh, number one at the box office this week, Contagion. You ever seen anything like this before? Yeah. We're isolating the sick. The truth about this virus is being kept from the world. We just need to make sure that nobody knows until everybody knows. Your wife is dead. What happened to her? It gets on airplanes. It travels at 500 miles an hour. A billion sick. That's where we're heading. It's figuring us out faster than we're figuring it out. Don't talk to anyone. Don't touch anyone. Stay away from other people. It's still, I I don't even know if you can like, could you recommend this to someone now? Is it okay to watch? Because 
You know, it was weird because I also watched it in March 2020 mm-hmm. and then watched it again last night. And it, it was easier to watch now than it was then mm-hmm. because I've dealt with the pandemic for a year and a half now. Yeah. And so things that it got right stood out more and things that it gets wrong stood out more. Mm. Things that it gets right is the science. Yeah. Uh, I, there were a bunch of reviews from the time and even, you know, more recently of, you know, actual epidemiologists talking about what it gets right and how one quote that really stuck out is like when they have a choice between making it like cinematic and going with the science they go with the science yes Mm. yeah i read that same review yeah mm -hmm. and and what i I find amusing don't see that very often no like outbreak is like the opposite of this (laughs) with the way that they treat the science and oh yeah but that's when i mean i love epidemiology it's so interesting to me and it's definitely as we are seeing now, going to be a thing that much more people are going to know about going forward. I think but, we're going to, mm-hmm. this is not a singular event, what we're going through right now. I don't think. Do you, do you know why right-wing conspiracy, conspiracists targeted, have targeted Bill Gates as a potential creator of this virus? Mm, no. Well, um, because it's because he knew and was talking about a pension mm-hmm. pandemic and how yeah. quickly it can. So I'm guessing none of those people saw this movie. Because Bill mm-hmm. Gates isn't the smartest man in the world, and he's not the best epidemiologist in the world. He was just reading information that was out there that is all in this movie, which clearly yes. wasn't made. It was it wasn't made yesterday. It was made in 2011. Just want to say I, that for some right wing conspiracy theorists. Was why don't you actually, say Steven Soderbergh is trying to get you to watch No Sudden Move by getting the vaccine? Why isn't he a part of the conspiracy theory? I actually have taken an epidemiology class, mm-hmm. at least one, and. Yeah, the, prof- the way before 2020. And the professor was like, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when mm-hmm. we're going to have yeah. an epidemic that is, it, it, we don't know how bad it's going to be, but it, it's going to be an epidemic and it's probably going to be pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, just we've, from- we've had them in the past. We've had small ones in different parts of the world that have gotten contained. And it, it's some of it depends on what kind of epidemic we're talking about and how it's spread. I mean, this one of, the things that you have to think about watching contagion is that it it spreads much easier than covid it spreads a lot easier including on surfaces which luckily covid doesn't spread as well it kicks in a lot faster there's mm-hmm. there's a, a shorter incubation period and that it's has a 25 percent casualty rate uh, mm-hmm. compared to covid's which a lot of people say like oh it's 0.02 percent it actually no um in the u.s we're at about one and a half to two percent of people that's... passing away. And that's when things are good. In Mexico, it's pushing 8%. Shit. Who knows what's yeah. happening And it's going to get worse here in the U.S. because we're running out of resources because there's too many damn people in the hospital right now with it. Mm-hmm. So Unvaccinated yeah. people in the hospital. It is unvaccinated not vaccinated people, people in the hospital. But I was thinking about like some of the things that aren't in contagion that we see every day here. You know, the, we see very little of the media and what the media is talking about and how they're handling it, except for Jude Law being you know someone who's selling a a bullshit cure which called it yeah Mm -hmm. very prescient although he's just doing it for money and so many people are just doing it like because they're contrarian teenagers yes i'm not gonna listen to anything you say dad yeah you've lied to me my whole life they're like political framework i guess Mm -hmm. oh but we don't see i think because the disease in the movie kills and kills so much faster that we don't see what we've been dealing with here of just COVID denial of people saying yeah. it's literally just the flu. It's not that bad. Why, why should we listen to you? Why should we do anything to stop it whatsoever? 
because this is just them trying to control us. Like we never get into that in Contagion, but I'm kind of glad they don't because they can stick with more of the sciencey stuff and not the like, we deserve to die. We suck kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also kills right in a very dramatic fashion too. Yeah. Encephalitis is mm-hmm. a, a bad way to go as opposed to just like, well, was he overweight? Mm. So maybe his lungs wanted to die. Oh, God. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I just absolutely love this movie. I think it works as a thriller. Yeah. Also, it works kind of as a whodunit. I mean, that's mm-hmm. one of the Conspiracy. things I like too about these kinds of movies is it is a whodunit. It's a mystery. They're trying yeah. to figure it out. They're the tracing, the contact tracing. And I mean, I love Steven Soderbergh. I just love his style and it's just pleasing to look at even when it's a very gruesome subject matter and everyone's doing their best work. So just as a movie, divorced Mm -hmm. from even all the meaning that we have attached to it now, it's (laughs) fantastic, I think. And I was looking back on my research I did for it back when we did the Laser Time episode about it. I remember one of the promotions that they did for the movie is there they did kind of in toronto they did kind of like a they did a window display basically in downtown toronto where it was just kind of like a big kind of blank slate sort of thing and then over time bacteria and fungi grew to spell out contagion whoa yeah see that anymore like exactly (laughs) it was actually penicillin mold and pigmented bacteria so it grew to like make the advertisement over a period of time yeah but i mean there are some things in it it's like we just watch it now and you're like well that that would never happen like the idea of quarantining all of chicago and just putting up roadblocks is like no no one's leaving yeah yeah or the idea that a government official would call a loved one in that zone and say get out of there because they're going to lock it down and that that would be a scandal (laughs) Oh, bitch, please, we have more things to worry about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, far less scrupulous public officials, as it turns out. Uh, I would kill for any of the public officials in this film, (laughs) as opposed to the ones we have now. I know, they respond so fast, Mm -hmm. and they're so organized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so science-believing. Try and imagine a Florida governor forcing kids to go to school with no masks in this movie and it just becomes a wild wild concept yeah well i mean if there's one thing that i could really complain about that it gets wrong is that people are constantly unmasked while they're talking to each other Mm -hmm. like Lawrence fishburne never puts on a mask this whole damn time and it's like oh come on you're in a room with other people yeah people are just Mm -hmm. like oh let's go research the thing oh it's here in hong kong and it's like you're not masked up come on girl i just I always keep thinking about the scene where when Kate Winslet is like, stop touching your face. <laughs> like the guy she's talking to oh keeps God. touching his own face. And she's like, God dang it. I, I forgot. It. I forgot. I even forgot about how much they were telling us not to do that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. In the beginning. Holy shit. Anthony Fauci I mean, on every talk show telling me to not touch my face. You should generally yeah. just not touch your face anyways. Uh, look at this face. You try and not touch it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. Or just, you know, Matt Damon and his daughter coming out of a, a, a supermarket and immediately just like, oh, just get hand sanitizer all over the place. Like, no, no. Oh, God. I do. I do love that bit of casting. Task, casting, I think it's two biggest stars in the least starry performances. I think yeah. when oh, Paltrow yeah. is in the movie just to be murdered immediately. Mm-hmm. She goes out even faster than Janet Lee. Like you think she's <laughs> going to be a star the whole movie. And she is how fast she goes out is just shocking. And then you're like, Oh, well maybe she'll be, Oh, we're watching her autopsy. Holy shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I love her face. Oh, yeah, her face on the poster of the cover of the movie is hilarious. That is. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, just just like now, uh, <laughs> we've got holistic uh, goop types ruining everything for everyone else. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Vagina thanks egg can't that. save you here. Mm-mm. And I uh, <laughs> just yeah. utterly surreal movie. I'm not only shocked it became number one. Like again, the public was desperate to see something like this. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Not every Steven Soderbergh movie shoots the number one. It has to have the like a number and an ocean in the title for that to happen. Usually, yeah. And 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 even more striking than that, if you are reading the articles about the renewed interest, this movie shot back into the the zeitgeist in such in a way I have honestly never seen a single film do before it made it into the itunes top 10 as of march 2020 after nine years of being released it became hbo max most streamed movie three weeks straight and it got pirated five thousand times more than it did the week prior as of march 2020 every this is one of those movies we've had all had a rough time seeing movies together you can be assured most everyone has seen Contagion now. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They will it's get actually, your Contagion references. Yeah, it's actually what made me make a, a little spreadsheet graph of like, what pandemic movie are you watching? Because I talked to so many people, I mean, like distance, like my neighbors and stuff. I said, oh, and I watched Outbreak, the, the movie with Lawrence Fishburne and Matt Damon. And mm-hmm. it's like, stop calling it Outbreak. That is Contagion. If Marcel the monkey is to blame, then it's outbreak. Exactly. <laughs> Can't Come contagion. On. It's it's hard not to recommend, but you know, you know, I can understand. Without, even without uh, eighteen months of pandemic, I'd, I'd recommend it just as a uh, good yeah, like, thriller. A, yes. I mean, I probably don't talk about how much I love Steven Soderbergh, and I need mm. to be more open with that anyway because his last. I love him so much. I mean, he's retired yeah. like six times, and he makes another movie. <laughs> I'm like, this is fucking excellent, man. What do you keep yeah. threatening to do this for? said he's making like three movies a year what yeah. the hell happened yeah, yeah. no he sudden was... moves it's great I, I i really dig like everything that dude does didn't he also do let them all talk yeah 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 i, I have not that. seen that then. it's so good but uh yeah he's just on mark maron so oh, check really? that out Fuck yeah. mm-hmm. love that guy contagion everyone uh moving on to television of 2011 september 3rd through the 9th we have an episode of breaking bad hermanos This is one where we learn Gus Fring's backstory. And why is it Poyos Hermanos if there's only one guy? What happened to the other Hermano? Mm, We find out. And it has major repercussions for now we understand what Gus is up to and who he is pissed at and who he's going to kill all of them with poison tequila. Yes. And um, I watched this last night. Utterly fantastic episode. And the other thing I want to say about this is not a scientific study. But the fourth season of most things are terrible. But the fourth season of Breaking Bad is among its best. It is fantastic. It is the Gus Fring season. It is awesome. Uh, It made me want to watch the previous season of Better Call Saul again immediately. Uh, This is such a fun fucking episode. And uh, and you get to see why he strikes up a, a vendetta with Hector. Um, mm-hmm. Hector, and I love that that guy, I forget his name, the guy who plays Hector, the guy in the wheelchair with a bell. I remember oh, seeing, uh, I, Mark Margolis. Mark Margolis. And I, I yeah. saw him in that role. I'm like, that dude is not that old. So it was kind of awesome to see him play in a flashback. Like, see, he's not that old. He's, <laughs> he's not ready to play the wheelchair confined guy yet. A super, super fun episode for real. Um, and also a, a little bit about, you know, you, I, I, I don't, I'm not watching this in a row, even though I've watched Breaking Bad in a row like two or three times. But like, just starting the show out with Hank, like, "Come on, Walt, let's go for a stakeout ride," and he's <laughs> fucking taking, he's taking, he's forcing Walt to ride with him 
as he's hassling Gus Fring like off the books. What a nerve wracking show! This show rules so hard. Ugh. When it, and then I went immediately to watch El uh, uh, El Camino until I passed out because that I can't watch all of Breaking Bad in one sitting, but you can watch El Camino in one sitting. Best webisode ever. Uh, Die deadliest warrior. We have a new episode. Yeah, we're almost at the finale, but Deadliest Warrior. Who would win in a fight? Crazy Horse versus Pancho Villa. They go with Pancho Villa. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a pretty even fight, honestly. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know which Osmond song I prefer. But and and then the, on the seventh we get the Rescue Me finale. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ho- weird. Uh, Seven seasons. I mean. I freaking loved this show when it was on, and I've been tempted to go back and revisit it, but no, I'm a man. little afraid I won't like it as much. I, I fell um, off it. I could not keep up. It was. I thought it was so hokey and silly. It is very much so. It's Dennis Leary. He is a hokey, silly person. I know. I know. I just doesn't want it was, you to think he is. Was there something a show in between this and the job? I just, the job was like that really good show that got one and a half seasons, very good, and yeah. this, and this was like that with Firemen and yeah. after nine eleven. But then yeah. it like. You know, gets too wrapped up in like well, soap opery nonsense and yes, it's very soapy. Of course, it is. Like it's a primetime soap, it, and mm, that's okay. That's I start. Okay. I started to groan when like how many times are we going to end with a sad song that shows a montage of all of our heroes alone doing something? Like every episode ends <laughs> like that. I'm like this sucks. I love the Von Bondi theme song. I'll never get tired of that. I do too. One. And I mean, I really like. I have a special little spot in my heart for Lenny Clark television. Oh. <laughs> Television and movies that where the protagonist is uh, struggling with substance issues or who is sober or getting sober, yada, yada. Sarah is saying this while holding a ketamine pipe. (laughs) Pipe? (laughs) I I don't know. Is that how you do it? I don't know. That's how I did it. I didn't think it was a pipe. That's how I did it. (laughs) So I think it's, I don't know. I really, really enjoy I did not finish the series because I'm very bad about that. Mm -hmm. I don't like to finish series that I like because then that means they're over. But I also started watching this show during a very, very fun time in my life. So I think part of that is related. But yeah, I have a very, I don't, I should hate Dennis Leary, but I don't. I kind of love him. I uh, I think the people who hate him are comedians because a he stole from people like whatever. But he was a uh, he was an actor trying to get acting work and then decided to become a comedian. And most people, whether huh. whether that's what they did, they won't admit to that out loud because that would pisses hardened comedians off who did it all mm-hmm. by the book and paid their dues. But mm-hmm. yeah, Dennis Leary was out to be an actor, and that's what he does now. And yeah. he's not so much a comedian anymore. And I've always I'm with you. I've always kind of liked him. Uh, I love show- I love seeing him pop up and stuff. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. He has he's, he can sometimes reach the perfect in between of sinister and sweet. Like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, dig Dennis Leary. I also want to say less cop shows, more fire people shows. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, the events of to, like balance it out a little. <laughs> the events of ten years earlier play in ultra heavily to. Oh, it's hmm. yes, kind um, of a main theme. Yes, was his brother or his dad died in nine eleven? Who was it? Doesn't uh, matter. Watch yes, his brother. Yeah. And then he's now sleeping with his wife. Oh, man, the intrigue. Uh, on the 4th, the, uh, what is it, the Muscular Dystrophy Association Labor Day Telethon shortened to only six hours and is no longer hosted by Jerry Lewis. And let's remember, Jerry, Lee, Jerry Lewis died a few years ago. Yeah, he did that for 45 years. Yeah. Wow. Like yeah, up- since 1966. Every Labor Day, usually a 24-hour marathon where he never left the air, and so it would get weird. Yeah, and a time like in a time before Adderall, 
it looks I've seen clips of it. It looks insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it looks like but I I I love listening to older people who are like fans of this because it was you can see a lot of comedians. You've got to see Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis reunite for the first time on this telethon. It could be a place where really fun things happened and my generation doesn't give a shit at all <laughs> about yeah. this at all. I remember being very bored by the idea. And but I believe the way I read about it, this was not an amicable split. Um, the, mus- yeah. the muscular dist- dystrophy association didn't understand. Like, is this? We got the internet and social media. Is this really the best way to raise money for us? Sort of cut like asked Jerry to stop. I believe, and yeah. it wasn't pleasant. And he stopped. And this is the first one without him. Yeah, this is the first one without him. And yeah, he. he I don't know if you've ever seen that like Bob Hope documentary where like more than comedy, Bob Hope made the USO USO his his career, and that's sort mm-hmm. of what Jerry Lewis had done with this cause. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh yeah, what was I reading that like people are starting to associate your appearance here year after year with nothing changing to our cause? Like oh, oh no. no, oh no, <laughs> why are you still Ooh. asking for money? As Chris Rock said, Jerry's kids still limping around. <laughs> um, so <laughs> but uh, last Labor Day, Jerry Lewis Labor Day tell I, I I who didn't call it the Jerry Lewis telethon? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Called it the Jerry Lewis telethon. I always thought it was the Jerry Lewis telethon. And since then they did like a couple where they, you know, went down for a couple hours. And then finally, I think the last one was 2020 and it was online and it was with Kevin Hart. So there, oh, oh, yeah. it all comes together again. Moving on to, before we close out the show, moving on to the video games of 2011. Again, we do a full show about this, the video game apocalypse boys. You can listen to them every Friday along with myself. We are talking about super Nintendo game characters. The super Nintendo, you know, is a 30, 2010 listener turned 30 last week or this mm-hmm. week. Leave me alone. Uh, but the video games of this week, September 3rd through the 9th, Blood Rain Betrayal, that could be out now, or at least on PlayStation it's out. Uh, Disgaea 4, we have Warhammer 4000 Space Marine, which is Gears of War meets Warhammer, one of the few Warhammer games I have played. Techno Kid- Kitten Adventure, didn't play that. Resistance 3, Dead Island, which, you know, sort of paid for the, the show you're listening to right now <laughs> and uh and maybe i'll tell that story again on the patreon show patreon.com slash laser time and uh, a game we talked about recently diana i came into a predicament mm-hmm. where i had a game from 10 years ago that your husband did not which is just an not not only impossible it was released by the company he works for and it is that gone and i had to hook michael up with a copy wow. of my game of driver san francisco the game where you hop between cars by possessing people's bodies, and it is surprisingly <laughs> fun and strange and crazy, and but really hard to find now. So if you see it out there on a disc, pick it up because it's not available to buy anymore. And you know, with all that out of the way, we got a we got a really fun. We're going to tell you who died during this period of thirty twenty ten, and we're going to do a fun little quiz on who was born. But before that, just a couple of plugs: patreon.com slash laser time. Laser time next week. We're going to have a, an animation heavy show. With, I cannot feel irresponsible for saying this, for the second time, an actual animator, someone who works in animation talking about it, um, including a, a new show that's being worked on. That's really fun. And then Video Game Apocalypse this week is Super Nintendo focused, or it was last week. I forget where we are here. Um, and yeah, listen to Laser Time, patreon.com slash laser time. Plenty of bonus content for you. Video game stuff. Nobody puts 3020 in the corner. We've turned Classic Corner to a whole episode that Sarah and I do with Diana. Die, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at ListenNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And coming up next week, obviously, yes, we have the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So there will be the 
see what happens with TV and news and movies. It's going to get weird, but it's not going to be all depressing. We actually have a couple really good movies to talk about besides glitter. That, oh, that stuff. No, well, <laughs> not, not yet. quite yet, but we do have Ryan Gosling in a car. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we're going to begin a trilogy that most people don't know is a trilogy, starting with the story of the best R&B band in Dublin. And then who died during this period of 30, 2010? I, I wish I remembered this. Uh, the first uh-huh. death. The first death. I just I didn't realize I was alive when this person was. Oh, yeah. In 1991, we lost Frank Capper, who was 94. Yeah. Huh. 94. Ow. Yeah. So, I mean, come on. It's a Wonderful Life. Meet John Doe. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Shangri-La, yeah. um, I think, <laughs> and and Lost a bunch Horizon, you mean? Uh, Lost Horizon, yes, and then a bunch yeah. of fucking war propaganda. Uh, I, yeah, this dude well, had I mean, a fascinating life. Really good, like mm-hmm. it's totally watchable. <laughs> yeah. On on a, a less fun note, we lost Pee Wee Gaskins, who was fifty eight. We didn't lose him so much as electrocute him to death oh. because he was a serial killer who oh. killed at least fifteen people. Oh no! Yeah, last podcast on the left, folks. They they knew who I'm talking about. They mm. did a whole series on him. Uh, yeah, he was uh, trash. But yeah, I kind of wish I didn't even bring him up because between Frank Capra and ten years later, we lose another film great, the patron saint of grumpy film bitches, Pauline Kael. Is <laughs> <laughs> 82. She was the critic for the New Yorker who hated everything and everybody. Diana did <laughs> That's a show. Not true. Diana did a show with me. Uh, we tried to find the rare person who like hated. Star Wars when it came out, oh, or hated yeah. Citizen Kane, and um, spoiler, it was almost always Pauline Kael. It was she yeah. hated Raiders. She hated so much. She hated ET. Tarantino, she hated- like she, yep. like she was almost always the reason something was ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes was Pauline uh, Kael. Like, yeah, uh, I love that it, for her. <laughs> and it was not because she was contrarian. She always had really good yeah, explanations. Yeah. No, of like, no, this is, here's how film is supposed to work. And here's how this movie's cheating. To this day, I remember her Indiana Jones assertion and it was, it's like irrefutable. Like this is nostalgia coasting as new art, but it's like, it's not the same as new art. And like, she's very correct here. I Mm. will still continue to like this movie, but it's a perspective I, you just never hear. Yeah. Perspectives that haven't been heard usually deserve to be heard. So there we go. And with those, Mm -hmm. with those dead people out of the way, we get into the birthdays. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh boy, everyone, we have birthday buddies. We have two guys born the same day, the same year. They are both turning at 50. Number one, born September 8th, 1971, in Winchester, Virginia, on a Subud commune. Subud? I've never been able to say that right. It's, it's a religious movement with a lot of Eastern influences. Okay. He is the son, grandson, and brother of actors. David Arquette. Damn it. Yeah. How wow. Did you do that? Uh, I believe I plugged <laughs> You Can't Kill David Arquette, the documentary about the guy, uh, several many times. times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I did not realize he was the grandson of actors, but yes. Uh, he Did you know he made his TV debut in 1990 as 2 bit on an attempted TV series version of The Outsiders? No. <laughs> and that, two bit. And I know what two bit is. Right. Yeah, and that he followed it up by taking over the Keanu Reeves role in the attempted TV version of Parenthood. Whoa. Oh. Yep. And we've talked about And his girls. sister is in Prayer of the Roller Boys. Let's yeah. not forget that. That's been a while. He's been in Beautiful Girls, Kiss and Tell, RPM, Muppets from Space, Three Thousand Miles to Graceland, Ravenous, Loved Ravenous, but never been kissed, ready to rumble, Sea Spot Run, and Scream, comma, all. And every one eight hundred call ATT commercial. Oh boy! Back in the day, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, who dares be the exact same age as David Ooh. Arquette? 
Oh! Also born September 8th, 1971, this time in Aldershot, England. He was the youngest of five. His dad was a naval officer who died when he was 10, and his grandfather died at Dunkirk. So he's a nut. No, he didn't make it off of Dunkirk. Oh. Yeah, okay. Kenneth Branagh couldn't save him. It's sad. <laughs> There's only so much that man can do. Yeah, come on. He attended Central School of Speech and Drama and started grinding away doing small roles on British TV, like The Bill and Casualty, which is like, it's like being on Law and Order. Like, mm. everyone has done it. Mm -hmm. Then he had a hit TV show, and he started to do more dramatic work so that he could get away with all the small role stuff and to not be typecast. So we've only... Cumberbatch. Good guess. You're closer than you think. Things of his Martin Freeman. About. It is Martin <laughs> Freeman. Martin Freeman. God dang it. I stole it from Sarah. <laughs> you you king. did. I am the god. You will bow before me. Ew. <laughs> the problem is we haven't talked about all that much that Martin Freeman's yeah. done. True. We really uh, haven't. Breaking and entering the good night we didn't talk about. Night watching where he plays Rembrandt. Didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, nativity! Exclamation point. I think we might have mentioned, but we mm. have talked about Hot Fuzz Sherlock and the original UK Office. So. And I just and I love that he's in Black Panther. He's he's the token white and Black Panther. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Someone calls him Colonizer, which yes. is like for a British man, he had yeah. that coming. I don't care if he's playing an American. For a British man, he had it coming. <sighs> oh, happy birthday, Martin Freeman! I hope yeah. you get very many hat FMs. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. We really do appreciate your deciding to listen to us and your patronage at patreon.com slash laser time. Thanks for keeping us afloat. Maybe tell a friend about the show if you haven't. Consider donating. Um, maybe listen to one of our other shows. But other than that, just thank you, man. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. Convince everyone you know to do the same. Who, who we got to take us out, Diana? Uh, I think we got to go out with Prince and his assless pants. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because Get Off is just a really fun song anyway, even though it is... I clutch my pearls. Like it's so suggestive. <laughs> oh my! Twenty-three physicians in a one-night stand—that's too many. All right. Well, let's take us out, Prince. <laughs> oh, purple one, and we will see you guys next week. Get up. Twenty-three physicians in a one-night stand. Get up. Only call you after if you say I can. Get up. Here I am.